Hey everyone, Tim here. What's about to follow is not our normal episode. In fact, Josh, Ben, and I joined Tom Corliss on his podcast, WDWNT Live, on Friday, April 3rd. The show is actually a video podcast, and if you look on their YouTube feed, or in our show notes, you'll see the video version of the show as well. We hope you enjoy it, and now, here's Tom. Oh, that was that was very abrupt. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I assume we're on. Nick's doing things, so who knows? Uh, but hey, everybody, welcome to WDWNT Live. We're live on this Friday evening. Thank you for joining us, April 3rd. Uh, and uh, we've got some special programming planned for you this evening. We have some special guests uh, joining me from the, I'm going to get the correct podcast this time instead of what it said in <laughs> all of the marketing for tonight, the Marty Called podcast. Uh, Tim, Ben, and Josh. How you doing, Tom? Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Tom. How's it going? I don't know if we have, do we have you guys on camera at all? In theory, we do. Give, you gotta give <laughs> my, my camera's showing up on here. Yeah, just give Nick a minute. There we go. There we go. There now we go. We got it. Hey. So for those <laughs> that's at home, guys, that's me. Those at home unaware, introduce yourselves. Tell us about your podcast, your, your personal life, whatever you want to share. Ben, why don't you kick it off? You're the uh, longest member of the Disney fan community. Uh, well, yeah. Longest uh, or oldest? <laughs> uh ben rubstock here uh started many many years ago with uh inside the magic with ricky brigandi with my old cruise in the world segment uh cruising with cruising the world with skipper ben and uh did that for many many years with ricky and uh kind of took some time off and got a call from tim one day to join up on this podcast with him so uh after after a few years of re retirement in the podcasting world i'm back and uh enjoying uh doing the show with tim and josh Okay. I agree. Those are all true things. Josh, how about you? Since apparently I'm conducting these interviews now. I mean, I'm just an old dude that uh, is nostalgic for the way the parks used to be. And I've always been fascinated by the park operations and the legal and operational aspects of them. And uh, through just the, the magic of the internet, I met, I met you guys, I met the Kingdom Cast crew, and that's sort of how I got wrapped up on all this. But uh I'm just another guy that loves the parks and likes thinking about and talking about what makes them tick and what's good and what's bad and what I would do if I had the magical power to, uh, you know, dictate their future. That is kind of the gist of our show. Marty called is more about the imagineering side of things. Um, I'm Tim Grassy, by the way. I've been around for a while with varying levels of uh, success or lack thereof on uh, WW Fanboys, E-Ticket Report, and now Marty called to these guys. Great. So, uh, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> well, Tom, let me tell me uh, tell me why you called. Uh, let's see. You put it out there as a uh, call for any podcasters to uh, to join you. So we uh, we had a few of our fans reach out to you and kind of push you in the direction to having us on. Um, we've had our fair share of run-ins in the past. Let's call a spade a spade. I would say that, um, yeah. But I think I, I think we can. You, you two have had. Friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, particularly oh, wrong way. <laughs> particularly us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you too. You too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've uh, I've got a, I, I looked up a few of our various interactions and a lot of it is kind of, you know, trying to hold you accountable for things and uh, don't get me wrong, you are not the only person who I've uh, had this uh, spat with and would call out. Um, but I think that with your role as the really the largest uh, news source for Disney news that 
certain standards need to be met. And I know you went to journalism school and you generally do a good job. But when when I see something that is either misreported or maybe has a, a headline that might be out of whack, I, I call attention to it. And I think that's generally where my arguments with you have, have become. And then they probably degenerate from there into name calling and things that aren't as productive. Is that fair? <laughs> so, so, so can I come out of the barrel hot as the devil's advocate? Go for if it. we just assume for the sake of argument that every allegation you're going to make is proven to be absolutely true, it still couldn't be <laughs> as bad as any mainstream media outlet, could it? I mean, I feel like that's, that's absolutely the, fair. I feel like to some degree, the, the whole world of, uh, you know, news reporting and media is such that if all you did was, uh, you know, create neutral, objective, well-sourced, rational reports that no one would tune in because you would be noise that would be blurred out by all of the people who are just you know, being a little hyperbolic and clickbaity in what they do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, CNN and Fox News are both equally guilty of being BuzzFeed uh, headline driven uh, sites as well. So, I mean, I'm going to defer to uh, to Ben and uh, Tom on this because they're both kind of in that same same line of work. But when when you take when you're taking journalism classes, uh, what is what is the the official word on articles? Are they intended to draw you into a specific story or is it, uh, is it supposed to be the most informative thing there? Like, I don't, I don't even know how to phrase this question, but uh, you know that I'm dancing around clickbait. So what is, what is the motivation of just writing a proper headline? I think when I went to school, like no one even used the word clickbait. I mean, like certainly I went to school in the internet old. age, but <laughs> Um, you got to remember, like my my professors were all most of them were newspaper guys, and so they sure, taught yeah. us extensively like headline writing. And so a lot of my headlines, like sure, I added on like the breaking, rumored, and confirmed thing, but <laughs> otherwise that's mostly like what I was taught by one guy we had was Wall Street Journal, another guy was the Post, um, another guy was uh, I don't even know where the third guy was, but the Wall Street Journal Post forget what else but like those guys would spend a couple classes on headline writing and stuff hustler like that. i think I, I mean that's <laughs> yeah hustler oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, i'm not the ben, new owner of inside the magic so probably not but <laughs> you know uh speaking of uh clickbait clickbait type articles they are uh just as guilty of that sorry ben but <laughs> well, it's not the um, inside the magic that ben not worked there for, so. no it's not it absolutely isn't it is you it know isn't. ricky was great ricky i, I still think was mustache, the absolute the only real competition we ever had i think he was the only other person that really yeah. cared and worked hard and did a really great job more often than not Right, right. I um, I agree with Tom though on there that you know back when I was in journalism school, that, that we we weren't writing headlines, we weren't writing stories for the internet. That's how I I am old enough to go back that far. And oftentimes, you know, when when a author writer writes a story, they hand off that story, and it's up to a whole other person to come up with those headlines to begin with. Anyway, oh, yeah. but we live in a world where we live in a world where if the headline's not catchy. Unfortunately, the, the search engines don't find it. They don't pop it and they don't put yeah. it in there. There are keywords that you have to put in, in yeah. these articles to make your article stand out more than any other. So, uh, you know, I definitely fall on the side that I, I don't blame blame you at all for, for the way you write your headlines. You have to do those things because that, that's how those things get found uh, in the world we live in right now. And you're not the only one that does that. Like, like, like you referred to with the regular just mainstream news organizations, they all do the same thing these days. So I Josh, think that, uh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, what I, what I was going to say is that, um, you, you know, this is- in the times that people around me have brought up um, WWNT and, and its reporting, I think the thing that's disappointed me the most is that the quality of the articles was always pretty good. And I, I'm pretty sure if you go back and look at the record of what I've said, it's that if anything, maybe the headline undermines the quality of the reporting because the content is there, uh, you know, and the, yeah, and the headline, right. you know, I, 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 maybe it's just an untenable situation. And the truth is, I'm trying to be as honest as I can here. It's real easy to talk about dis- about someone when you're... I don't even disagree with you. But I've always said, like, the point of the headlines is to get people to read it. And I, I always would tell, now that I'm not the only one writing stuff for the site, I always tell the writers it's... it's um, the, the headline, of course, has to be, you can't lie to people. Like, you obviously should not lie to people. And I don't think we do. But there is at the same time, yeah. there's only so much you could fit in there. And so you pick out the things from the article that you think are the most interesting. Or what's going to, I always say, what's going to make you click the story? But then obviously in the sure. story, our job is to give you the, the accurate information. I, I think that's what we've always tried to do is, yeah, some headlines certainly have been along the line of clickbait. I don't disagree with that. But I always think the, the quality of the article is always there. I just think that's that's what you had to do. Otherwise, you don't stick out. Otherwise, you fall into, you know, the, how many of these sites are there that exist that I think just kind of blend in and never yeah. really get attention? I think like attractions and like that whole little group. I just think they always kind of fall through the cracks. They're kind of bland. They're kind of boring. You, you got to stand out in some way. Otherwise, you just you're just another one of the same I mean, I think I'd be, right. as someone who's, you know, been on the Kingdom cast for the last five years, I'd be somewhat of a hypocrite if I didn't say that, you know, doing something that stands out, you know, doesn't work. Because obviously it does. I mean, it doesn't make you very unique or interesting to be interested in theme parks. They're, the entire reason they exist yeah. is because an overwhelming majority of people find them to be, you know, not many people go to an amusement park like Disney or a theme park like Disney and say, well, this sucks. I want to go somewhere else. <laughs> Um, so, you know, to rise above the, you know, the noise floor, I guess you, you do have to, to be unique in some way. Um, I will say your reasonableness and open-mindedness is making it extraordinarily hard for Tim to launch the attack on you that he, I think well, he wanted I th- to. I think, <laughs> I, mean, I think a lot of people have said this over the years, like, I, I don't come across well on Twitter. And I fully understand that. You uh, could be president. Well, we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we went over uh, words that I couldn't couldn't say before the show. I'm going to stick with with uh, with jerk because I'm a jerk myself. I generally use a stronger word, but I think we can kind of relate in that in that uh, uh, in that. I think Look, in the we, words, we you have been called wor- far worse than the word you were going to use. Anyway, so. <laughs> It's but very easy to be back. a tough guy on internet, and also to right. assume that the person that you're disagreeing with would be, you know, going to fisticuffs with you if you had to encounter them. It's it's another thing to actually have a, a dialogue, and I think podcasts and publishing on the web both suffer from this problem. And this, it's a one way conversation, yeah. right? So it's it, there's this people don't like to be to feel like they're not being heard, and naturally, I mean, the four of us right now are talking at the world. There, there's not really a bi-directional nature to it. So if anybody says anything that somebody doesn't agree with, they assume that there's someone we won't like or that we are going to be fundamentally you know, opposed to on all issues. And that's, you know, the world's more complicated than that. So maybe what we're doing today is, is the right thing, which, you know, just reach out and talk. Well, I think that hey, the Tom, time just is right. I think we're all in a pretty bad situation and maybe everyone should realize yeah. that the Twitter arguing and everything is probably the healthiest way to go through life. And Tom, I just yeah, want to say, if you're not real familiar, if you're not real familiar with our show, um, 
Tim and I don't understand half the stuff that Josh says. He's way smarter than both of us. So just just know if he starts spitting some of this stuff out and we get this glazed look over our eyes, it's uh, common with every episode of our show. There's a good 400 All of point that difference is in Josh's SAT scores than ours. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I, I want to go back to something that Josh mentioned I don't know, 10 minutes or so ago about um, media in general and then the, the niche that we are all have our own part of. Um, let's call everybody on this show right now a Disney expert, uh, at least in the commonality of the world. We are all Disney experts. Um we see misinformation about things like Disney in mainstream media and we cringe at it because there's, there's misinformation. Harry Potter's referred to as a theme park, things like yeah. that. Um, so, so with that said, if you're at all involved in any niche industry and you're an expert in that field, you're going to see that all the time. Um, what we see here is, when you've got something like rumors, you're, you're obviously dealing with a fickle, uh, a highly volatile uh, subject. Um, have you, I don't want to have you expose sources, so that's not going to be productive <laughs> at all. Have you been, have you felt you've been burnt by sources in the past? Um, and I, I am leading somewhere with this, but uh, I'll just put a general question out there. I'm not trying to like bait you or anything no, like that. No, because you, you develop people over time. Like I feel like what I used to do was, like obviously especially now like we get contacted by a ton of people and then people just and, and my favorite is instagram because there are some if you thought twitter was crazy man i mean the instagram people are nice <laughs> but the the rumors they try to throw at us on there are insane like things that like a crazy person in an institution would just come out with after reading like a guide map <laughs> um that a disney bus driver would say no, like crazier. I mean, like, <laughs> like they're gonna build a black cauldron land. Like, I mean, like just the, the craziest, confirmed. breaking confirmed, biggest non, <laughs> biggest nonsense. Um, but no, I think what what I used to do was kind of I I generally would sit on things, and I, I think eventually people's stuff would pan out enough where I'd be like, well, this this guy clearly knows what he's right, talking about. Um, so I never, there were very rarely times where there was one-time people. They were usually these, like, usual suspect people who after a while became clear, like, oh, I know where you work. <laughs> like, oh, now it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, obviously, like, I don't, I don't like to be wrong. It's not fun to be wrong. Um, but at the same time, like, I, uh, certainly, like, with Country Bears, I'm glad they didn't go forward with it. That makes me very happy. Uh, whether or not you know, I was happy to live through thing with you and Derek. Whether or not I was happy to live through that period of time, uh, you know, we knew it was one of the possible outcomes when we came out with that. We sat on that I, from week, weeks, if not months. I mean, before we you should be happy to have lived through it. What was that? You would have missed the apocalypse. Thank God you lived through it, and you would be missing all of this exciting <laughs> nonsense that's happening yeah. in the world today. Oh boy, I'm sure glad no one took me out. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned the country bears, and I think uh, I don't know if everybody has heard this. I don't know if your listeners have heard this. Your interaction with uh, my former co-host Derek Bergen, following that, which I thought is a pretty funny story. The first time you met him, and it surrounds that country bear jamboree story that you had. Yeah. Um, Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? At uh, Coronado. I, I don't know where the location was. I, I just know we were, we were, <laughs> Of course, that touring plans money and the WWNT money. We were at we were concierge level at uh, 
uh, Coronado, the new the new tower, Grandestino, and and so he just mm-hmm. he sat sat with us at the at the club uh, club level lounge. Well, I don't remember the say? interaction that much. I don't know if it was that <laughs> profound. What did, what exactly are you going to? My, my recollection, at least what he told me, is he said that uh, he said something to the effect of "Screw you, Tom. You ruined my chance to my dream of having a Toy Story oh, marionette yeah. show." <laughs> I thought it was funny, and no, I very rarely give Derek credit. So, <laughs> Derek, Derek is probably the funniest person in the entire community. I'm, I'm fine. See you later. I'm, I'm, I respectfully no, disagree, I'm, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave him like five years of insufferable ammo at this point. Thanks for that. We really appreciate. Well, it. I mean, I can think of several Derek Bergen things that are legendary. I think about the Rivers of Light. Uh, coming uh, out of the water to, to put, like, what was it? The, it said zero days since our last malfunction or whatever. And the, the Lotus is bringing the one. Or the, or the Lotus is bringing the zero. There's a one on the board, and the Lotus is bringing the zero. These are Even funny a broken online. clock um, is right twice a day. Um, D- Derek has found his voice. It is on Twitter. We don't want to hear him speak again. Uh, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Country Bear Jamboree in the Tiki Room. And I have uh, been amongst those that kind of laugh off the uh, WDWNT save the Country Bear Jamboree and the Tiki Room. However, uh, we did have a lengthy conversation about it on the e-ticket report. And I kind of threw out the various scenarios that are probably likely here. Or not likely, but the various scenarios as they played out. So one of them, Corliss made it up. I don't believe that's true. Uh, Somebody fed you information to snuff out a leak. Possible. Uh, as a real project fed to you to gauge interest, possible. Real project that someone leaked to you in hopes it would create outrage. I'd say that's possible as well. Real project that was going to be announced at the D23 Expo and they got cold feet because of the reaction. Um, I think it's probably one of those if you agree or disagree. Um, it sounds like you're probably leaning towards the last thing, though, that was yeah, supposed I mean, to be announced that at the was, Expo. I, I think um, they were looking for stuff to do for the 50th, and I think those two projects have to coexist because it's a shared building. So if you're going to be blowing out yeah. walls and stuff in one, that's why the other one made sense, I think. Um, like I just, uh, given the current management and given what was going and I don't think yeah. Disney's response would have been what it was if we weren't right, I think. And there are things I can't even talk about on the air that have happened since then sure. that do nothing but point at the fact that it absolutely was a real thing and they want it swept under the rug and no one wants to ever talk about it again. Um but then again, who knows? So it might even, they might even just like, pull it out in two years and be like, yep, now it's time. Now we're going to do it. Um, because yeah. they don't, I don't think they care. I just think at, at that moment in time, I think I was a big enough problem where it was decided like, you know, we're going to put the brakes on this thing anyway. I, I believe someone in the PR department convinced them that, hey, if we go on the Parks blog and like D23 posted, if we go on all these places and say that this rumor is, is crap, then that's the end of him. He'll just go away. Like that'll be it. And I, I, I think. And I, I might, if I was sitting in that room, I might think the same thing. I might think like, if we, the Walt Disney Company, come out and say, "Hey, this blogger's just making stuff up," you're the Walt Disney Company. I would, I would think most people would believe you. That's fair. Now, we've said uh, one of the things I see, and Jim Hill gets thrown under the bus for a lot of stuff like this as well, are things that were legitimate rumors, things that were legitimate projects. The most notable one that I think he gets yelled at for is the uh, Monsters, Inc. roller coaster, which was a legitimate project. But yeah. if you go to press too early with it, you get <laughs> you, you get slammed. Um, 
this is where I'm going to uh, uh, give you some credit now. Uh, on whatever, whenever it was, you had the uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway news out first. Um, I, and you had basically everything spot on. And what was interesting is literally that morning I was getting emails from other people with exact same information. Uh, and what you posted coincided with theirs that wasn't public. And it was just a spot on article. And if I'm not mistaken, you also had uh, a scene by scene before anybody else. Is that correct? Uh, scene by scene. We told you what the ride cars were going to be like all that. There wasn't anything left so, for Runaway Railway, I think. Right, right. So um, with, with Runaway Railway then, uh, because that's something that effectively you got 100% correct throughout the process, um, is that a source that you go to or multiple sources that you go back to more often? Like I'm, I'm trying to gauge an idea of like, you know, was that something that you had sourced by two or three people? Uh the level you know, of confidence in a story like would that come from multiple people like guardians of the like guardians of the galaxy was out there but then like uh, uh, mission breakout and then like uh not only did someone say that yes so real, much which we ran with, but then like that person also then told me like hey here's the date and time they're announcing it at comic-con and we even ran that week we said hey they're gonna announce it at comic-con this week um but yeah sometimes sometimes you have more than one person but sometimes I think they're people that have, have come through uh, more times than not. And I don't think, like, sometimes they also send you stuff that's just irrefutable. Like, I don't believe time, I don't believe people have the time to make blueprints and, you know, like, stuff like that's that. That's fair. No, that's fair. Um, and, and I always refrain from posting that stuff because my, my thought with that was that's the stuff that's, it's going to be easy for people to identify a source, and and I obviously oh, don't want anyone getting in trouble because we're just. It was a far more innocent thing than I think Disney wanted to admit. I think Disney eventually made it a very serious thing, but it's a. I think theme park rumors always felt like a way more innocent thing, especially in the Jim Hill days and WW Magic and all of those. I think it just felt like oh, we're just a bunch of fans and we're talking about what's coming up next and. It didn't feel like it, it was a thing anyone actually would get upset about or anything. And I think over the years, I think, I, I think particularly Bob so, Chapek really likes to announce things. I think he likes to stand yeah. on stage and announce things. And I think and, he, and that, 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 that I always, arrangement. I, I always thought the uh, timing of the Country Bear in the uh, Tiki Room uh, rumors and everything that happened before this D23 was, I thought the timing was interesting because, uh, you know, the previous D23, I still remember the videos of you in the, uh, in, in the hall, uh, laughing during the announcements because you, there was a lot of correct, uh, rumors. You that, did pretty that well. You did announce up there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I find, uh, something a little fishy with what they did on their end leading into this D23 to, you know, disrupt what happened the previous time around. Yeah, and it wasn't like I know when when they're giving me plants because they're, let's be honest, they're not really good at it. Um, <laughs> like I think once or twice they work. definitely gave me things I felt were like plants, and it's like oh he's gonna he's gonna run with this, and I was like, oh yeah, it's like two other people. They're like no, <laughs> just like yeah, okay, probably probably gonna stay away from that one. Um, so so you that, that previous conversation is a good. This is a good segue for something I wanted to bring up. I, you, you may or may not know, but I'm the I'm the attorney that got out of the blue back in the parks, and I've represented a couple other people that have been trespassed. And, and being in that world, um, your name has come up um, 
by virtue of the fact that you have broken some of these things that pretty clearly came from leaks inside the company. And I've got a couple of acquaintances that report on companies like Apple, for example. And it's yeah. interesting because those guys all have sources inside the company that give them information, yeah. you know, whether it's someone in the supply chain or someone works for corporate. Um, but there's an important difference there, which is that Apple's not an amusement park. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot that Apple can do to someone who reports on leaks that they get. Whereas yeah. as a theme park operator, a place that you can go, um, you know, ostensibly the Disney company has a lot more leverage over you because they can essentially threaten to not allow you into the parks yeah. if you continue to do this, which is, you know, as someone who likes liberty and freedom, uh, it's sort of a, a quandary for me that's hard for me to really decide where I fall on it. But I, but I just wonder, um, and if you don't want to answer, that's that's fine. Do you feel pressure from that? Is the company has the company tried to leverage the weight that it has to keep you out of the parks in order to curtail your reporting, or have they been pretty open to letting you run with the sources that you have? I think we've had very open conversation, um, more so in the last since Country Bears. We've had far more open conversation, um, which is help. And and because I'll be honest, like I I've told this story on the air after the the 2017 Expo is when I finally sat down with the PR department after the, the whole Tron thing. And they were like, and, and it was a very, it was at the time a very positive conversation. It was a lot of, um, you know, oh, we're not going to tell you what you can and can't post. We just really would like a heads up that it's coming so I don't get a bunch of angry phone calls. Really? <laughs> yeah, that, that was seems the like conversation a pretty respectable in 2017. Now, if, if there's a conversation in 2019, it's likely very different. Um, but yeah, obviously, like, I don't want that. That's never been the goal of this. Like, as I've said a million times, um, like, I think theme park rumors felt, uh, I think for the longest time felt like pretty harmless things. And you're right. Like, I think my example always was like the new iPhone would, would leak every time. Like, I don't recall a time the new iPhone didn't leak to the public. No, it's about a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and I, I always thought like, okay, well, that's a reputable site. Like, and in many cases, I believe the sites that, uh, maybe not all of them, but I believe some of the sites that have leaked the iPhone still have some sort of press credentials or press access to Apple. Like, I think that still happens. Well, I think um, there, to some degree, there's a too big to fail component there. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, uh, you know, Bob Smith and you have a supply chain contact and you, you know, release what the iPhone 12 or whatever the heck they're going to name the next one because their naming convention is impenetrable <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, that's one thing. But if you're, you know, if you're a BuzzFeed, if you're someone who has, you know, a tremendously large audience, I mean, honestly, there's a there's a strategic component there as to deciding yeah. is this really you know does it make sense to actually use the strength that we have in order to silence this voice you know because it can actually do more harm than good and it's fascinating to me it, it's uh you know i think we're all trying to figure out what it is that media is supposed to do in the yeah. world where everybody has a thousand devices and access to all the world's information and you know i don't think there's any real simple answers at this point point. and i don't i don't know that disney's ever figured out their relationship with the community I don't yeah, think they've ever that. quite figured it out. Like there, there's been these interesting moments. I think the moment when they started letting websites into media events was an interesting moment. And I think since then there's been this, like, what are we, well, you know, yeah, they're really big, but you know, and I, I remember like Ricky back in the day, I feel like a number of things broke on inside the magic for, for over some yeah. years. I, I feel like there were plenty of things there early. Um, and I think there was this, this, I don't know 
what conversations they it was had. mostly so positive i think over time it became like yeah. well do you like coming yeah. to these and it's like yeah we like coming to these and it's like well you know we didn't really care for this one thing and it's like well okay <laughs> um and i never had those conversations with them that i was on the media list we posted about disney springs we were never spoken to no one spoke to us about it it was a completely silent thing just stopped getting invites and at that point i was like well okay and then we just kept posting theme park rumors because it's fun and people like it and we're a walt disney world news site it's part of the game right and i and i can yeah, say from uh, my time back in the day, i was gonna say with the with the inside the magic uh, i was never told what i could or couldn't say on that show i know ricky had a relationship with them and but nothing ever came my way saying hey when you talk about something one or another we were we were a very positive podcast there, there's no getting around that we both just love yeah. disney we were very we were very early in this stuff this was this was us just looking to uh entertain people and, and really we wanted to reach out to those people who it's like me now consuming your content uh tom i'm i'm in texas I'm so far away from the parks every day. I just want that little break where I can feel like I'm there and, you know, you provide it and there's others, uh, you know, on the web and in social media that do the same thing. But that's what Ricky and I were doing back in the day was just kind of bringing the parks to those people who weren't as close as he was, yeah. you know, basically living behind the magic kingdom. Uh, now if he had conversations with what he could and couldn't do once he started getting on the media list and, and covering more things for him, that's something for him to talk about, but nothing was ever fed back to me. Yeah as being a part of that show saying, hey, toe the line for this and that. So I don't even think it was ever more of like opinion things or stuff. I think um, I think rumors just started like vanishing at some point. I don't know if you guys feel yeah. the same. I feel like at some point in time between like, I don't know, like 2010 and I don't know, like 2015, like rumors just kind of went away. And I feel like everybody <laughs> no used problem. to post them. And then I feel like everybody else <laughs> eventually stopped. What did you say? <laughs> There, there were no projects. That's why well, they forgot to build something. Yeah. For five years. That's fair. I mean, uh, I, and I don't know if you know if you know this, Tom. And I, I'm 95% sure that in the 2011 D23 Expo Parks and Resorts presentation, we sat next to each other. Um, we didn't hold hands, but we sat next to each other. <laughs> and I think you, me, and everybody else that was kind of in that section walked out puzzled. Like, they, they forgot to announce projects. That was the fantasy was fair year? Yeah. I think that was that the highlight. Way. It was that, and like we're going to bring yeah. back the Tahitian Terrace, which I don't know that they really did in the capacity that they said they were going the, to. The, the um, like VR thing they were talking about, not even VR. Was like we're going to bring back Circle Vision and the Tahitian Terrace, and yeah, it, it was a very like vague, a weird announcement that never amounted to anything. So, Tom, right. can I tell you why Tim really remembers that? <laughs> oh God, <Do> I <laughs> I'm not sure where he's he going, with this, but okay. Tim came back from this. Now, this is just, I, I haven't I was not there, so I have no idea what really happened. But I know what Tim told me happened. He said, so I went yeah. to D23. I was standing next to Tom Corliss, Corliss. I introduced myself. I said, hey, it's Tim from whatever podcast he was on. And Tom looked at me and said, yeah, like, I know who you are. <laughs> and I feel like Tim's that, that feelings were hurt so bad by that. That is what you told me. <laughs> I believe the exchange was as follows. Um, Tim from WW Fanboys, and I believe it was, oh, I've heard of you, and that was about it. And that was the extent of the <laughs> okay. exchange. Uh, so I got. It might have been. I, on, I honestly don't remember, but I'm going to say that you were rude because it helps frame the narrative a little bit better. Um, I was probably, so I, I've told people before, like, I, in my family, I'm considered the quiet one, which no one ever believes. Yeah. 
Um, but I was a very shy kid. And so you got to remember, like, when I started the website, I was still only 18. I had not mm-hmm. had a ton of social interaction outside of, like, kids in school at that point. So in the early years of the website, I'm not the most personable individual. I mean, I didn't know who you were then. So it was just a matter of, like, me introducing myself to the only other person in the row. Because the way that they were defense, Tim's, Tim's personality is terrible. Oh, yeah. No, I'm an a-hole, too. Uh, (laughs) It's likely I just shook your hand and said hello because I didn't know what else to say. That that does seem like me. You shook his hand. You're the ones that you two started all this. <laughs> but the uh, to your point about no projects, uh, or really just the the silence of rumors. You also have to look at who was putting it out there. Like back in the early two thousands, it was Screamscape, and I don't know that they've had a scoop on Disney in twenty five yeah. years. Um, it was it was Jim Hill, who's predominantly the the main person, and then it was a couple people over on WW Magic. And my site uh, tracks this stuff, basically sources it back to you to whoever whoever says it, and. Yeah. People eat this stuff up. I mean, my news articles, granted, they're mostly like summaries, too long, didn't read articles, but they get, you know, 5% of my traffic in the rumor posts that are summaries of what's going on with rumors and aggregating it all. That's 95% of my traffic. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure you probably see similar things when you have a new rumor. That's what drives people to your site. You would be amazed at the dumb things people read. <laughs> and this is what enough. I told Disney when I had a call with them, and they're like, and and no, I think like they, they would try to point at, in later years they try to point at like, oh, that rumor stuff makes you all this money and blah blah blah. And I'd be like, do you want to know what the highest posts of the year? One year, the highest post of the year was when we announced the soda flavor changes at Club Cool. That makes sense. Whatever year that was, it was the number one post of the year. <laughs> Ticket price Which increases, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. The only one of those things, and actually it's not even one of those, the Skyliner accident is going to be, it was or was the biggest story of last year, but I mean that's, it had to be, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But like those rumor posts probably end up in the top 30, but they're never in the top 10. The top 10 is always a, like price increases, trip planning stuff. So if they change fast pass tiers, if they change, um, I'm trying to think what other stuff in, along those lines, like extra magic hours, things that trip, people love that trip planning stuff. That's the bread and butter of the industry. The rumor stuff, we love that stuff. Like the four of us yeah. like that stuff. And yeah. there's a group of people who certainly do. But a majority of them have not done nearly as well as what I would consider garbage. Um, like, it's news. Just, it's not stuff I wouldn't post, but it's usually, like, fast pass tier changes and things like that are the, are the things that do the best. Um, and then there's the hardcore fans thing, like us who will read. That's a, there's the occasional one. Like, there, there's, an, an, there's one or two anomalies. The Star Wars Hotel was an anomaly. But that we had, I mean, we had, that survey had the art, it had pricing. I mean, we, it wasn't just like a vague, like they're going to open a Star Wars hotel. If you found that on social media, there was concept art of the lobby already. And I mean, it wasn't even announced yet. Um, So like there's exceptions to that. And I think Star Wars is one of the few, but generally those are. I just want to clarify one thing. 
the the Skyliner issue was not an accident. That was an unscheduled commingling of ride vehicles. That's straight from Disney PR. Yeah. That email got me in a lot of trouble. I love how they say that's not an accident. They didn't like my response. (laughs) You you said you've had interactions with Disney PR. Has any of have any of those interactions resulted in like inadvertent validation of a story? Like uh, meaning that, you know, you were going to put something out there, but PR has asked you. They don't contact me if the story is right. Okay. Hmm. Uh, have you been censored by putting something out that they didn't want say, you to put out? I've always, and, and honest, this is an honest thing. Anytime they made a request outside of the Skyliner accident, anytime they made a request, mm-hmm. we always did whatever they asked. Because I, I never felt they were unreasonable requests. So, like, when we announced um, that Hong Kong was redoing their castle, um, WDI right. called and said they were... Um, they weren't completely happy with the way I phrased that they were building a new castle. They wanted it to be a reimagined castle. And, and honestly, like, I didn't feel like there was, it was worth burning a bridge there over phrasing because it didn't change the story. The story was still that they were building a castle on top of the existing castle, you know? So that gives you an idea of like how much scrutiny the Disney parks blog posts go through where every, every word has to be so carefully chosen and is so anal retentive. And you said, I don't know, half an hour ago about their relationship with the fan community and with the, uh, with the press itself, they don't have a relationship. They have a relationship with people that are favorable to them and that's it. Well, like, cause the same yes, thing they're like technically those contacting people, you because you're big enough, but the current PR department is mostly full of people who have been at that job since before they were letting the fan sites into events. The, that department mm-hmm. hasn't changed a lot in my time. Like the Disneyland side has. The PR people on the Disneyland side have changed a lot, but I just feel like that's an LA thing. Like there's a lot of PR job opportunities and a lot of them are just trying to work their way up to the studio or a studio. Um, but on the Florida side, those people have been there my entire time and beyond that. Like there's people I know who tell me like, in, in the early 2000s, those are the same people they dealt with, like Charles Stovall and all those guys. They've, they've just been there since the, it seems like since the beginning of at least the internet age of all of this. And so I think that's why nothing ever changes. It's always, I don't know, the situation doesn't change because the people somehow, even through the advent of blogs and social media, somehow the same people have remained there and it's, it's amazing. Um, you said a while ago that uh, you don't come off great on Twitter. Um, I found, and while I don't always adhere to it, uh, a little humility goes a long way, and I think that might be uh, might be part of the problem. Um, and I'm going to call it out: owning mistakes as opposed to uh, you know trying to say, "All right, I got fed a bad source" or whatever it may be. Um, and I'm not going to list off various mistakes you've you've put out there. Um, I'm sure that it's going on in the chat right now. But those are the types of things that that really frustrate me when, I mean, I, I run a business as well. If I make a mistake, I own it. I apologize to the client. I do whatever I can to make it right. Um, in this case, I don't know definitively whether or not you've ever posted a retraction to a story that was incorrect, uh, or if it's been like a Twitter or Facebook correction or anything like that. But um, we've corrected things. If you have examples some of stuff like that. that got published that wasn't correct. Someone jumped to a conclusion about windows falling off a monorail and I had to quickly clean that situation (laughs) up, but certainly the story was updated with the correct information. 
Okay. Um, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, if you want credit for what you get right and you get quite a bit right, you, the criticism is going to come. Your site is too big. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is what you do for a living. It's the but the criticism like is going to come when you get something, something wrong. To say and people like to be mean. It's, you know, it's, it's not exclusive to this fan community. It's not exclusive to anyone. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, the internet. So to that point, how is your war with Disney going? <laughs> I would say it's over. I think things are uh, much better now. Okay. Okay. Was you, it like, you, think, uh, you, you know, more, uh, do you get more anxiety when you consider the possibility of not reporting on something that ends up being big versus maybe reporting prematurely and finding it being wrong? Which one gives you the most stress? Because I, I, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, and I imagine both of them would be pretty terrible. A lot of that uh, stuff, I, uh, it is very rare that things were published within 24 hours of me getting information. There was a lot of a lot of checking with people. Like I, I ask, I would ask a lot of questions. Like I'll make sure, like even if whatever they said, like the Toy Story marionette show, there was a lot of questions. I was like, <laughs> is it a is it a puppet show? Are they animatronics? <laughs> like, what is? The, are they reusing Dear the God, bears? What like, what are they doing? Why is this? Why is this being done? Who's getting fired for this? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're sure this budget is already allotted? Yeah, that's a thing. Okay. Um, um, you may have you may have seen some of these documents. Uh, I've I've got a couple of. I think it was pre 2017 five year plans for Epcot. Uh, you've probably seen similar documents where it has, you know, the the budget that's in the billions and the various projects that have since been uh, hatcheted down or removed entirely. Um, those types of things circulate. They are they exist. They absolutely exist. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily inclined to to criticize you for putting a rumor out that, like that because those things get as close to greenlit. Some even get greenlit and announced. Uh, I remember back in the day, I asked Jim Hill on a podcast who had a better track record, him or Jay Rizzullo. And it really came down to like stuff being announced at that point in time in that 2010 to 2015 range. They kept on announcing project that got canceled. Yeah. And it seems like they're doing that right now as well. And I mean, there are extenuating circumstances now. Um, one of the bullet points that I had in my notes was that we all need to find some common ground. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking you can agree on some of these things. Uh, Epcot forever, good or bad? Garbage. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, frozen garbage, ever I think, technically. <laughs> Terrible. Frozen ever after, where, where does it belong? Where does it belong? Yes. I'm, I a, don't have a problem one correct with answer. it. I really don't. Right, I love Maelstrom, but uh, it was weird. It like people guests came off of that and were like confused. Some of them, if you waited like sixty minutes, you were really upset. Like I, like listen, I miss Maelstrom. This but isn't I love an endorsement Maelstrom. of Maelstrom. It's just a. But like Future World is the thing I'm fighting for. Like World Showcase, I don't whatever. God, I, I, just, I think it's a very hard to argue with you, unfortunately, which is what I do for a living. Not, sadly. I'm not going to I'm not going to praise Maelstrom. I'm not going to say that Maelstrom was a sacred attraction that, yeah. that needed to be protect, protected. Uh, the two can be mutually exclusive. It's like uh, uh, Josh and I will have conversations about politics just because I don't like President Trump doesn't mean I like Hillary Clinton. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. So, um, all right. Fast Pass Plus. Where do we stand on that? Hmm. I 
deep, don't dislike. As a local, it works for me though. So I've lived here throughout the whole time of yeah. Fast Pass Plus. So in the old days, I would have had to show up in guests. the morning to get Soren or Toy Story Mania or whatever. I, as a local, really love opening the app and just checking the four parks. And usually that'll dictate where I go. Like maybe like a Slinky Dog will randomly pop up or tower or just something I'd like to do that day. And that's, as a local, it's probably better, but I I haven't gone through How about versus it Max a, Pass? as a tourist in this age. How about Fast Pass Plus versus Max Pass? That's a better way to frame the question. I like Max Pass better as a tourist in California, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of getting it. Okay. Yeah. Um, does Target belong in a Parks and Resorts presentation? No. <laughs> <laughs> Does does uh, experiences right. belong in the parks and resorts division? No, no. it doesn't. Or, I assume you're just yeah. in general not a not a Chapek Iger fan. From uh, I liked Iger early on. I think he was doing great in the beginning, and then I think at some point he just got consumed with the streaming service and and maximizing that Star Wars purchase. And I think the the wheels came off. Um, but I, but I, I, yeah, it's I mean, undoubtable that I think like what they did from like 2010 to like 2017 even, I think was great. I think they fixed a lot of problems. I mean, Mystic Manor, I think, is the best thing they've ever done anywhere. And that opened during the Stags administration. Uh, the thing they built next to it, the Grizzly Mountain Runaway Mine Cars, is a really great throwback ride, too. Um, you know, Pandora's great. Uh, what else in that? Cars Land. and Like, they fixed a lot. World of Color. They fixed a lot of problems in a lot of parks and i think they're on the right track and then at some point the wheels just kind of came off i would say that Are you, you know aside from although the shareholders might not agree with this when you look at eisner and Iger uh collectively as a theme parks fan it seems to me that there's a, a strong incentive maybe to consider limiting the tenure of ceos for the company because it seems as though yeah you know, it's a delicate line that these that these people have to walk because obviously balancing the business interests and the shareholder interests and, you know, a lot of different divisions in the college course I teach. I won't even let my students write about Disney because they're involved in so much stuff that it's it's hard to really keep it all straight. Um, but it seems to me that the, the theme parks tend to be the biggest victim of uh, of long lived CEOs in this company. And I, you know, I'm concerned that now we have a a new CEO who's seems like his first 10 or 15 years might be problematic for the parks, but you know, I, I don't, I don't really have a question or a point here other than to say that I have a, I'm concerned, you know, you couple all of that with what's happening with COVID-19. It's hard to, it's, it's pretty easy to have a negative uh, outlook on what the parks are going to look like in the next it's five to 10 years. Again. I mean, I, I think I've everyone keeps asking. And I think every day I say, I think if they haven't started construction on it, it's probably dead. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable to say. I would be surprised if whatever the Mary Poppins attraction that's gotta is, be gone. happens. God. Um, yeah, that, that seemed pretty low. That, that was low fruit anyway. It wasn't a gate buster to begin with. It was just kind of a IP infusion. Yeah. But what do you um, think about the reimagining of, of, of Epcot? Oh, everyone at one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like one, two, three, I'll talk. Ready, go. <laughs> Josh, I, I, I was, oh, go Josh. with respect to the imagineering, the, the reimagining of Epcot, 
what do you think that the impact there is going to be? Because that's largely not attraction. Obviously, the Gardens of the Galaxy coaster is going to get finished. They're they're way deep into that. Um, but in terms of the overall aesthetic, there's that one building that I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of a tall tripod sky needle kind of looking building that was going to be in future world yeah. do you think that'll get finished or are we going to end up with a what epcot has been for I the last 10 gonna, years the, which the is a haphazard probably mess. saves that stupid building is it's directly connected to money um it's a festival pavilion so there's a lot of monetary opportunities and then of course they want to rent that rooftop for dessert parties too so if anything that project can probably get saved just because it's directly tied to money like there's just a lot of parts of that park that make a lot of revenue that could push that thing along. Um, but Guardians of Ratatouille, gonna so. pull, whether Ratatouille is good or not, which it isn't, it's going to pull people. And people love that movie. So it's, Joe it's Ivey is going to I think people are expecting an eight. You know, love, love his Ratatouille ride. I don't know. To me, it's an addition. This is the way that Disney can actually avoid a lot of the criticism that all of us, I mean, everyone in this don't close call, something. certainly... Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give an addition, if you're going to add something without taking it away, obviously the standard of satisfying people is going to be lower than if you take away something that they have sacred childhood memories bonded to. So if if Ratatouille sucks up some people and clears up the pathways in, uh, uh, you know, World Showcase, win, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think obviously people are going to change the way they vacation coming out of what we're going through right now. Uh, what do we think about the status of the Star Wars Hotel moving forward? And that hideout, you know, is this a, is this an out? You think they'll finish it up or? It's too late to alter course. <laughs> yeah. I suspect it's the people that can there. afford to do it. It the could be art of animation situation. No, it's too much. abandoned. Because you, you only have, what is, I forget the exact number. We have it somewhere inside 100 room, whatever the number is. It's, it's very, limited. It's, it's, a low, it's low. It's a low number. Like So that's not going to be hard to fill. Like There'll still be enough one percenters with money, no matter what apocalypse strikes, to fill that thing. So That's true. Do you think the uh, Iger to Chapek CEO switch was in anticipation of coronavirus closing the parks oh yeah i mean we were all trying to figure it out at this point and oh yeah when did it happen february we were all like all right somebody's sick somebody's making some sort of political run that was a hard decision to explain the day it happened it was very easy about five days later (laughs) yes i don't i think it wasn't that something like the fact that they already closed two resorts and shanghai makes money and so the fact Mm -hmm. that like they already like the numbers he gave out on that first call which were already what, what was it, a hundred and something million dollars already? Like, no matter what, he wants, his whole thing is, I want to go out with a bang in this company. And so it, it, he had his Disney Plus moment. It's like, well, what's going to be the moment to bail? And then you already have two resorts in the world closed. I mean, you're losing, your next couple of quarters aren't going to look amazing anyway. Because yeah. you're, you've lost, you're losing <laughs> yeah. money no matter what. So maybe it's yeah. just time yeah. to get out. So whether he knew, like there was a possibility there's going to be more whether or not he had that information that the writing was on the wall that it was time to go yeah yeah well i mean he also left uh, after a great box office year as well the timing was was good the abruptness of it was what jarred people and yeah. 
I fear it's more of the same for the parks. Um, I fear all of the intellectual property integration because Shapek is very much on that bandwagon. Um, I mean, you already gave your thumbs down. I think we're all in agreement there that we are not exactly optimistic about the Bob Shapek administration. Um, But at the same time, it might be something where they're not spending any money, so they can't uh, screw up the parks any further than they potentially have. That's really the thing. And like people ask me, would you prefer Eisner or Iger? And I said, you know, like we had some bad years, but at the same time, like a lot of good stuff just survived through it. Like we kept the great movie ride. We we kept most of Epcot for the most part, like the things that at least had survived through the 90s kind of stuck around. Um, yeah, so I, I felt like at least through those years, like it, they're less dangerous when they're not doing well. I prefer this company when it's failing. <laughs> The problem is they neglect things to the point where when they're ultimately replaced, we don't care as much. And that's was kind of the first, you know, decade under Iger as well. Um, I want to I want to go back to the Country Bear Jamboree and Tiki Room uh, discussions, because you kind of you I'm I'm giving credit where it's due. You rallied people uh, in some way, shape or form, whether that was the intent by posting the article or whether you actually called for it. Uh, But you united a community in some way shape or form to go up against disney to bombard uh the various powers that be with um you know disapproval this is something that should not be taken lightly it's something that is a very valuable tool to have in the future where we just badmouth the leadership in the uh in the parks and resorts and just in the leadership of the company um it's something that I hope if it comes to it again, that you can use and can kind of arm the community with disapproval. Um, Because those are the things that potentially can put a stop to putting things where they don't belong, if it gets out there. There were some more minor things that I feel like, I'm I'm blanking on what they were, not like attraction things, but um, just like ancillary charges and stuff, I feel like the last two years where Everybody kind of got up in arms, and then Disney, like two days later, reneged on them. And I'm blanking on what the situations were. They were things not as profound as getting rid of the country bears, but um, there were again these <laughs> moments of if you shame them, if enough people on the internet are like, no, then they feel bad, and then someone up high is like, okay. Which is kind of like the annual pass thing, where it's like Universal already said they're going to stop charging people. But Disney took like a week to mobilize to be like, all right, we got to figure out these annual pass solutions. Um, it's it's this thing of if you shame them enough publicly, I think eventually someone in the company's like, hey, we're Disney. Like they love money, but at the same time, there's like this conscience that's always like, oh, these people are complaining. Maybe it is pretty un-Disney like what we're doing at the moment, you know, if that makes sense. Um, and I think everyone's wants to hear like that conscience. Those are not mutually exclusive concepts, though, because if you, no matter how loyal your fan base is, if you alienate them for long enough and are tone deaf to what they're telling you they want, eventually that money will stop flowing. And I think there's an old expression in business that success hides a multitude of sins. And I think it's really true. And it relates back to what you just said. You know, when the company's doing great, um, honestly, there's so many divisions in that in that corporation. They can get away with a lot of mistakes and they're not really evident because they're not hurting. Yeah. You know, and it's like if you if you translate that to like the individual level, you know, if you're making, you know, three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, you could be 
pretty stupid with your money and you're not going to miss a meal. Yeah. Uh, but when things get really thin and all of a sudden you're hungry, all of a sudden every little mistake becomes extraordinarily evident. So, um, you know, when you're dealing with a multinational corporation like Disney, obviously they have so they have so much revenue uh, that all the decisions they make are they're just very trailing indicators. It takes a long time for the actual consequence of what they decide to come back. So yeah. it makes me kind of happy to see that they're at least marginally tuned into social media and to into yeah. the pundits and to the fans because you know we do have a voice and we are being irresponsible if we don't express the things that we don't like i was literally walking through frontierland when you dropped that story and i've taken a lot of crap on this show with uh josh and tim <laughs> that uh the country bear jamboree is my all-time favorite disney attraction i adore the thing so i remember after reading your story I stood in front of Bear Hall, took a picture and said, you know, said something like over my dead body, posted it up there as well. I don't care what saved it or how it got saved. I'm just appreciative that it got saved one way or another. So thank you to you and everybody. Country Bears for Life. I still can't believe that's your favorite attraction. <laughs> Love it. But like I said before, like I, I don't take personal credit for saving the Country Bears. Like I could put that out into the universe, but a lot of people had to – take action and people did like i there we've never had a post with that many comments i can't believe how many people took to letter writing like people were sending mm -hmm. them they were getting a lot of mail and like, like on I, paper people like people no matter even if what i say or not people like still have to take the action and no matter how passionate you feel about something <laughs> a lot of people get lazy Email. And just won't do anything. They'll be like, oh, that's a shame. I like yeah. the country bears but then they just they go and they watch tiger king on netflix you know it's but people is there mobilize. a comparable like people... thing for sorry siri just heard me uh is there a comparable thing in the community other than maybe like the uh uh save mr toad uh, uh movement that happened is, is that like the most comparable thing to that, that worked out well. happened where yeah because the, the other community ones we, has... we, i think we reacted too late i think movie ride was a mistake I don't. I. I truly believe. I think they know that was a mistake. Ride was a mistake. Did it need to be updated? Absolutely. But getting rid of yeah. movie rides always going to be one of those. It's going to be yeah. another Horizons, another Journey to Horizons. It's going to be one of those. Um, it was a mistake simply from a capacity play, and they were making yeah. capacity mistakes yeah. for well, they have been for the last five years. Um, and the laughable things about that were they they green light a third theater for Soren and a third track for Toy Story, and then yeah. they. Uh, Pushed the highest uh, grossing naturally born IP under Iger into a, a ride that can get through 1,100 people an hour. Like they, yeah. they made a lot of stupid capacity choices. So yeah. um, when when the park was ultimately inundated once uh, Rise opened up, they uh, that I, that I think is a bigger issue. Like not having something that can absorb 2,000 yeah. people. Yeah, for all the talk of expanding this park and fixing Hollywood Studios. I think it's just as big of a mess as it was before. Like, are there things that, you know, uh, people are more interested in? Probably. But the park is not functional. It, it wasn't redesigned to function. Um, it was like, yeah, well, we just want to hear the things we want to put in it. There was no examination of what does the park need if we're going to put Galaxy's Edge in it. It was very much... Like, oh, we really want to do Toy Story and we really want to do Star Wars. And then in the middle, we want to get rid of Movie Ride and put Mickey in there. But none of that in total adds more to do in a day in that park. In fact, it's it's less. Like, get, there are more rides. 
there are certainly more rides in that park, but everything you replaced was was higher capacity and longer. I mean, you replaced 30 to 45 minute shows. You replaced the movie ride, which was 20 something minutes and had great hourly capacity. You got rid of a lot of things that were the only reason that park functioned to begin with as little as it, it kind of did because it never understood what it was. That park right now has less ride capacity without a higher requirement than it did on opening day. Yeah. Which is laughable. short. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, what, 30 years old now? 31 years old? So that's laughable. Moment of silence for... <laughs> the capacity at uh studios yep in general so uh do you have any questions for us we've been kind of hogging the uh uh <laughs> let's pick tom's brain thing uh do you have any questions of us i have questions for you guys i think you you voiced okay. the, i think my questions were going to be like Tim, what's your problem with me? But I think you voiced that in the, in the, uh, in the time we've been talking. I How do you sleep at night? Where do you get off? <laughs> so we were joking uh, before, um, like we were, we were talking uh, uh, in our own private discussion. Um, you, you're from the Bronx. Uh, Yankee fan, Mets fan, Yankee and different fan. towards baseball? I'm in the Bronx. Okay. You can't you be a Met fan in the Bronx. <laughs> You said you were the quiet one, so it's possible that like you just you know had to move oh. off to the Mets because whatever whatever it may be. But anyway, are you familiar with um, when Derek Jeter hosted SNL that episode? Yeah, sure. Okay, so on that episode, uh, Seth Meyers did a bit. This is before he was hosting Weekend Update um, with Derek Jeter, and they did point counterpoint. Yeah, and the point counterpoint was Derek Jeter sucks. Yeah. No, I don't. We could do something like that if you'd like. We could do Tom Corliss sucks. No, I don't. But I haven't really prepared for those types of point counterpoints. And I, I think that's probably what some of the listeners were anticipating. What Seth Meyers said in the bit, would, wouldn't he just like say, but you suck? Like, wouldn't that be like his whole... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It was like, you suck you so suck. hard, so bad, and wicked bad. <laughs> and then he heckled You got 30 more seconds, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so we could do something like that that would be productive, but... Um, I just want to no, know I mean, if Tim's unblocked after our conversation now or on Twitter. How, how's how's this going to move forward? With I can two? unblock Tim, but he's just going to do something again. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I did pull up some of the uh, some of the best of reasons why I got blocked. Um, so, I'm trying to, <laughs> uh, I, I have an actual question, if that's okay. So obviously, that's we're extraordinarily. <laughs> We're, we're in uncertain and unprecedented times. And I was just wondering, as someone who's, you know, built a successful business enterprise on reporting on the parks, what is the plan for, for this downtime? Um, that's, um, that's an honest check. I, I'll give I, you think, that. I think the one thing we've always been able to do is, is we pivot really well. I think that this group of people, I think we always have the ability. I think I'm able to throw out crazy ideas with absolutely, I'm not putting myself over. I think I usually have no idea how to execute them, but I'll usually throw something crazy out. And then I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who can actually make those things happen. So like the second this was announced, it was immediately like my head spinning, like, what are we going to do? Um, and the thought was, well, if there's no, I thought news was going to be slower than it is, honestly, but at least now and it's not. And it's actually given us a chance to post a lot of really fun stuff and stuff I kind of always wanted to get to. 
There, there were videos like I went to Shanghai a year ago. I never edited the videos because I've never had time. So I finally had like a Saturday where I sat down and was like, I'm going to edit these videos. But like the idea was if no parks are open, what are, what are we doing as fans? Like what, what are we going to do? And so the idea was why don't we just go on live every day? And so I didn't ask like how do we do that? Or will we have the manpower and the capabilities and will it work and any of, the, any of those things. And then I just threw that out there and, and, you know, over the course of a weekend, people figured out like, um, you know, we got to You just said, hey, board. Nick, figure it out. Yeah, it was like a said. train and Jason would train and Nick, like, that's what I mean is like 10 more people have been trained on how to do all this studio stuff and people are hosting their own shows who never had before. And, you know, so we're just kind of, we're figuring it out as we go, but it seems to be working. I think that's what everyone's got to do right now. It's just, uh, if you have the audience and, and people care, and I, I mean, we're, we're all Disney fans. So if we, as Disney fans, don't know what other Disney fans want to read or watch, there's a problem there. And I think that's what a, the problem a lot of other sites have is more often than not, they don't understand their audience. I just think they're, they're not us. They're not like the four people in here I don't think they're quite as passionate or they just don't get it. They don't spend enough time in the parks to get it. Or I, I just don't think they make that connection with people, which is why that I think that's all of our success is the fact that we, we are the people sitting at home. So we understand what we just do, what we would want to watch or we would want to read, you know, I'd want to watch this. I'd argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. That was another great moment that the community, I have no part in that. That was another great moment that the community mobilized and did something great, right? So COVID-19 yeah, and so. Disflix approved one thing, that a common enemy can unite us all. I saw people that hated each other on Tuesday. That oh. shit, sorry, that stuff dropped on Wednesday. Also, really, something that everyone agrees on. Like that was amazing. And Where that had a tremendous- Josh as the one that was going to slip up. Is gonna- <laughs> sorry, I've tried so hard right, to. Of all the um, words, that one's probably the, the most okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I do apologize. I was trying to, to honor the rules. But yeah, that, that was a great moment of, of unity. And, uh, you know, hopefully moving forward, we can, I think this has been, you know, not to get somewhat serious, but this whole COVID thing, it is somewhat like a control alt delete on society. I think it's going to do a lot to help us appreciate what we take for granted. Um, we live in an amazing country where capitalism has built some incredible uh, you know, enterprises that we can go and enjoy. And when they're taken away, you realize that that is not an assured thing. And, um, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, uh, I hope that the fans will, will go and, you know, put their money where their, where their hearts are and, and, you know, uh, you know, spend money at these places and, and help kickstart the economy when all this ends. Well, I think we're all I'll certainly do my part outside at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an introvert, computer yes. nerd, you yes. know, blacked out windows kind of guy, and I'm ready to go outside. So I can only imagine that a normal person is absolutely <laughs> ready to leave at this point. I realize as I look, well, Josh is an exception, but Ben and uh, and Tom, uh, my the background of me is not exactly reflective of a Disney fan. I promise there are plenty of uh, Disney movies in the ta- in the Blu-ray towers behind me, but uh, because you've heaped praise on a let's call him a friend, uh, Derek Bergen earlier on in the show, I think you need to hold up the uh, Shondu plush, and this is really an inside joke for him and me uh, because. We, I had praised the uh, the character of Shondu from uh, Sinbad Storybook Voyage, and I, you've been to Tokyo a couple of times, right? Yes. I'm sure you have. Um, 
That's why I hate Disney World now. I've been to Tokyo a few times. The uh, it, it is something, and I've, I we we like to play the uh, the armchair Imagineering game. So I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, if you could take one attraction and realistically put it anywhere in Walt Disney World, because you've been to the parks around the world, what would you take and where would you put it? Oh God! If I was being selfish, I mean definitely. Uh, Sinbad storybook voyage in the Morocco pavilion at Epcot, but that's me being real selfish. The thing we probably need. Yeah, man, that's tough. I don't know because the thing I like, I like having reasons to go to the other ones. I like when they have a unique identity. And the thing I typically don't like about Disney World is we don't have a lot of unique identity, or we've done a good job removing the things that give us unique identity. Um, and that's, that's what Bears was issue. mostly about. Bears was about, like, that's one of the few 1971 originals um, that was exclusive to Florida. It originated here. It, it's part of the character, the DNA of Walt Disney World. And, like, great movie rides, one of those things. And now it's gone for a ride that they're going to build. I don't know what's going to happen now with the pandemic, but uh, at least they were planning on building everywhere else. So what does that do for Hollywood Studios? You have a land that you could also see in California and now a ride in the theater that's also going to be in Toontown at Disneyland. I don't know what that does. For I mean, you. the studios is always kind of like a best of park anyway. Uh, really the unique yeah. ones, and it's why we're so protective of it is Epcot and Animal Kingdom. Um, and it's I why think studios was Tokyo pretty was unique to start, though. I think there was a lot of stuff yeah. you couldn't for a see decade. anywhere else. Um, I mean, I've said it several times, you know, it's it's always fascinated me that so many companies that operate, uh, you know, entertainment enterprises are trying to create differentiated offerings from what they have, which is generally commoditized and common. Uh, and Disney, with Walt Disney World in particular, has taken what was an incredibly unique and differentiated offering, and they have dumbed it down to being common, which from, you know, you, you said earlier, and I agree with you, the company likes money. I like money, too. Um, it's hard to to reconcile those two things because why would you take away your differentiation? But that's what you they want continue four to parks do. That do not feel like the same the thing, same? right? I mean, that yeah. that was the driving and they're not force with every park they added was this is a completely different thing that the p other parks don't offer. Yep. To answer Tim's question, what I would do, I would take the new Tron attraction at Magic Kingdom and I would put it where the Speedway is because the placement of that ride makes absolutely Breaking no confirmed. sense. That's what Tom wanted I mean, to do. Uh, well, uh, you know, you've got I one attraction that makes, that makes noise and fumes. You've yeah. got another attraction that has an incredibly retro-futuristic, beautiful show building, and you hide it behind the most ugly, ununique attraction in the entire Disney uh, portfolio. And that the worst is, uh, part is... I didn't realize it was going to look that bad. Coming from Storybook Circus, that gray show building, there's, you could just they're see not the going to hide that. They ruined yeah. the circus, which is a shame. They don't care about sight lines anymore. The circus um, one is of so, the original, so cute, and they ruined it. One, one of, of the, the original names. names uh, Tim and I are going to say the same thing right now. One of the proposed names for our podcast was the Sight Lines Podcast because that's something that, you know, again, the four people on this call and all the people that are probably listening, we care about that. It's one of the things yeah. that, you know, makes Disney so unique. It's not Bush Gardens where you park yeah. in a parking lot and you see everything in the park. And I, I hate these kind of decisions that destroy those because they're they're in the category of problems that are relatively unfixable. You know, yeah. you could be sure for the next 30, 40, 50 years, that Tron building is going to be there. That, that's not going away. 
Um, you know, I guess they can paint it. Guardians what do they call it? Go away it. green. They're doing like you know, gray but, stripes on it. It's, it's <laughs> weird. It's thankfully yeah, it's a, lower than the Guardians building, so ultimately, like the backside of Everest, it'll be hidden by trees in see, theory. But like Epcot, but, Epcot is the park where sightlines usually don't matter because it is like that World's Fair thing. Like it doesn't, like it's not great, but like it's not, it's not Animal Kingdom or Magic Kingdom where it takes you out of anything. Like it's, I mean, it's a collection of you pavilions. Can see. Other than like kind of the bend at the Odyssey, you really couldn't see show buildings for things um, up until. Well, like you saw Spaceship Earth from World Showcase. That wasn't like Epcot is a place. Okay, so like, like Epcot is a like I'm Spaceship not, Earth is an interesting I'm, building. When I go it's to Magic a, Kingdom, yeah. I go to Frontierland. I'm in the Old West, so I shouldn't see things on our land. But at any point in Epcot, I'm not in those countries. I'm at Epcot, like even in the story. Right, but there's okay, a so big that, difference between Spaceship Earth and the Soren building, though. Yeah, you know, no, the Soren building, it's not it, pretty, but does it ruin Epcot? I don't know about that. But I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is taking that to the next level. It's big. It's definitely it's, very big. <laughs> it's a big cube. It's not great, but I, I mean, on my no. list of, I think that if, I, if you told me I could fix one of those shell building problems in Florida, I'd pick Tron. Okay. Yeah, as far as moving it and where the speedway is. Or yeah, just getting... anything to not ruin the circus because I think it, it's it's um, a shame just have this big gray box <laughs> right at the end of the circus. It just looks weird. The new show buildings have any angle you want as long as they're 90 degrees. That seems to be what they have doubled down on. <laughs> but it's just that they, when the, they uh... want to do it, they can. Like Galaxy's Edge, obviously, you don't have any sightline problems because Lucasfilm wouldn't allow it. But anything else mm -hmm. they've done in any of the Disney-owned parks in the world lately it's been very much like just cramming it like marvel like the Mar avengers campus has screwed up cars land in a lot of ways which is a shame because it's a really cool land like there was no way around tower of terror like it, it was where it was you, you there was no way to hide tower of terror we could make it uglier they can make it ugly. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, like, I still think, like, Pipes. seeing Tower of Terror from a distance on Radiator Springs Racers and, and, like, being on Mater's Junkyard Jamboree and seeing Web Industries are two different things. I just, I don't know. I think that park is taking a step back anyway, but the... It was, in a, um, it was going in a good direction. It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, another suggestion for the Speedway uh, from, from the chat was Tomorrow's Child suggesting Aquatopia taking over the Speedway. I love that ride. It's a small, like, B-ticket attraction out in uh, Disney Sea. It's fun I'd gladly to take look that at. The speedway. <laughs> I like it. I don't know about riding it, but it's fun to look at. It's, it's certainly better to look at than the Speedway. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree. And it probably takes up like an eighth of the space of the Speedway. So it's not like it would replace the entire thing. Yeah. But That's cute. So, That's too rad. so your answer is uh, uh, moving, what did you say, the uh, Sinbad Storybook Voyage. To, yeah, it's uh, a self. I, but I, like I said, I, I thought about all the other things we don't have that I'd love to have here. And I'd just, I'd rather just go see them where they belong almost. <laughs> I think Sinbad can make sense in Epcot. I mean, it's it's it makes better really sense than, story, than Frozen does in Norway. Yeah, it's an actual cultural tale, right? Yeah, yeah I mean that's yeah. if you could sell a fictional yeah. character that didn't exist in a fictional world that didn't exist in a country that does, you could certainly sell the Sinbad move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. What are you? What are even you, if you your keep it, you're Disney, you just do it anyway. What is everyone else's answer? I was actually like. <laughs> Ben, you didn't answer. 
Ben froze. I think that. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm froze. I froze. Yeah. Am I back? Yeah, I think so. Yes, you are. Your mustache stayed okay, in place, though. I think I'm back. My quarantine stash. And yeah, did you have an answer to the question? This is killer pod, by the way. Uh, Phantom Manor. Uh, I, I love that. Although we have our haunted mansion, obviously, back here. Uh, I. I would love to see something along the lines of that mystic manner as well. Uh, but honestly, when I go back and watch ride videos, I, I kind of lean with Tom Sinbad has been always the one that's kind of caught my eye that, uh, especially the second iteration of it, that I would love to see that attraction somewhere here in the uh, state side, mainly because I don't know when I ever, I'll get over to those side of those parks over there. I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, Tom, I've said it on our show. You're a fan of Pandora, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you think, because the, the rumor, or at least not necessarily even rumor, I think it was at one point back in 2008 that a version of Mysterious Island was going to go roughly where Pandora went. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you think Pandora is a better fit for Animal Kingdom than Mysterious Island would be? I like that it is a thing that only exists at Disney World, and I think it is the same way Mystic Manor is the reason I would tell someone to go to Hong Kong. Pandora mm-hmm. is near the top of the list for reasons I would tell people to come here. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think it's it's a fantastic area. I think when the collective masses went into it, they're saying if they're going to do this with Pandora about Avatar, a movie that doesn't have the you know franchise appeal that Star Wars does, yeah. it gave us significant hope for Star Wars land. And while the rollout wasn't necessarily successful to the extent that they wanted it to be, you can't really argue with Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one great ride. I still don't know how I feel about the rest of it. I just, I think they made some so, bad choices. And we again, we talked about this on here. I assumed erroneously that the choices that were made to go with the most recent trilogy uh, was a creative one, not uh, an executive mandate, which surprised yeah, me. Yeah, I think Lucasfilm screwed up. Mm-hmm. I, I blame Lucasfilm for sure. I don't. Uh, the, the only things you blame on management, I think, are the entertainment cuts. It's the only thing that was made yeah. by Chapek, really, was the, the to cut it, that stuff away. But I. I the creative decisions, like of the what you know, what the original planet's going to be, and what we're going to do, I think. Um, I think that was largely Trowbridge. I don't even know that it's. I mean, yeah. yes, he's working with Lucasfilm, Trowbridge but I think it was largely Trowbridge. The, they won the con. The original concept was they were going to do Endor and Tatooine, and they were going to have the speeder bike ride, and you could actually go to Jabba's palace and the real cantina on Tatooine, and. Um, I, I think it was a number of things. I think number one, I think Iger liked having his trilogy more. I think he's like, well, this <laughs> is this is what we're doing, and this is ours, and this is the new thing. I think Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm sometimes is their own worst enemy. I think instead of designing something for everybody, they design something for people who specifically have watched all the movies, watched the Clone Wars, watched Rebels read comic books like if you've done all of those things i think you are blown away with everything in the land and i think if you are a person who's only seen the movies i you walk through and you're like well this is pretty and they they did a great job but i just i don't want to spend a whole lot of time in here one of the other things we mentioned on uh last show or the second to last show that we did 
the objection that people had to it going into Disneyland, I couldn't come up with a definitive reason. Couldn't Nobody could articulate it other than we don't like change. Um, until I heard somebody say Disneyland is like idealized versions of whatever the theme of the land is. And this is a literal war zone that they're putting in the middle of, of Disneyland. So it does kind of step away from that. And that might be why it feels off. We talk about how everything in Imagineering is part of the nonlinear storytelling of a ride, of a land, of, of a park. And when something like that doesn't necessarily vibe with the rest of the park, you can, you can run into problems like that where it doesn't necessarily feel right and you can't explain it. I think it's simpler than that. I think it's scale. I think okay. it's just it's the scale. I think you walk out of Galaxy's Edge like back into New Orleans Square and everything, instead of charming, just feels small. It just makes, okay. it throws off the scale of the whole park. Does having a Monte Cristo help that? Like, bring you back into New Orleans Square? <laughs> oh. I was going to get to go there tomorrow for the first time, but, like, oh. my trip got canceled. And I'm but, like, I think it works now. there. Like, I think Disneyland needed to he add gave an no e-ticket. Sympathy, <laughs> I think they needed an e-ticket. And that park is the right thing. It's the right combination of really great museum pieces that still are really charming and people love with newer things that will wow anybody and i I think it was time to put something new in and whether or not it coherently jives with the rest of the park i think it's nice that they finally have another e-ticket in there do you think then uh the other suggestion was to take star wars take marvel and have those be the anchor for a third gate and i know realistically money is actually an object and the infrastructure for a third gate would double the cost of what they're putting into both of those things probably but um just creatively would that be what you would have liked to see or do you are you okay with the angle that they went i'm more okay with star wars than i am with marvel well, Marvel doesn't make sense for a park called California Adventure. But. No, and it did if it was in the Hollywood section, but you're making like a, a fake campus. That Hollywood know. section has been stripped bare uh, basically since they took out Superstar Limo, which nobody's lamenting, mind you. Yeah. But like, it, was, it was a disconnected area from the outset. So. Yeah, it was the one uh, land pers- they really didn't fix. And so I don't know why you yeah. didn't just try to fix that instead. But I think... I think it got too late. I think they spent all that money on that Frozen show, and someone's like, well, we're not only going to get two years out of that Frozen show. Not a good replacement. Personally, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to theme a whole gate around a single film franchise, particularly when you look at what the company's done. It seems that what they want to be able to do is shoehorn attractions in wherever they want in order to load balance the park. So, um, you know, you talk about putting Frozen into World Showcase being a disruption to the theme of, of world culture. Imagine if you had an entire park that was dedicated to an entire film. You would literally yeah. have to either completely undermine, yeah. undermine what it stood for um, or be limited to that. That wasn't to, what I was that. advocating. Just, just to be clear, Sorry, I wasn't in my nature to misunderstand. I, was, I think you were saying <laughs> I was I, I was thinking, yeah, it would be similar to how Universal is doing their epic most woke park uh, where they've got four or five different IPs that are blended together with Nintendo kind of being the anchor IP of that. See, where, I think gotcha. Island of I mean, Adventure always had problems because of the Island of Adventure was the first yeah. park that really did that, did all like IP lands. And, I and think, there was no real common thread other uh, than like literature, kind of. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it just presented a lot of problems over time for them. I think like Harry Potter busting into Jurassic Park, basically now the there's like a Kong attraction on Jurassic Park. Like, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> it's not that hard to put yourself into the board meeting where that idea happened, too, because you, you have to imagine, like, well, these are the five IPs that we want to use. How do we do it? You know, how do we blend them? And somebody's like, what if we put them all on islands? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not hard to, you know, imagine what the provenance of that was. Yeah. But, you know, actually implementing it in a way that not only works in the beginning, but scales. That's the that's the thing is if you're going to spend a billion dollars on something. It can't just be good when it opens. It has to be scalable yeah. and that's the thing that when i look at the walt disney world parks in particular that's really where they've struggled it's you know the original imagineer for for all of those parks maybe the studios excluded um was nailed i mean it was a beautiful masterpiece of art it was a piece of art you could go experience but when it got turned over to ops and when they started to you know either have to make it deal with the crowd levels that they had or expand it. That's where things have historically come off the tracks with these parks. So yeah. I definitely think that the the initial concept has to be pretty, you know, pretty in tune to the needs of the future in order for it to to hold up over time. Do you know? Have you ever booed in a parks and resorts presentation? <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a situation where again we talk about uniting the community when when josh's dialogue goes over ahead i just change the topic it's a lot easier it's uh rather than trying to like digest or respond with like 50 percent of the intellect we just change the topic it's, it's how we operate yeah. on our show <laughs> see i think i'm the dummy uh, would you consider the Disney response on the Parks blog like a feather in your cap when uh, when you got the unscrupulous nickname? I, I mean, I like, have used that word so much. Um, <laughs> like, obviously, I, I mean, I was really upset in the moment because uh, at that point, you gotta, after the story finally went public, that's when I heard mm -hmm. from a ton of people. And whether it was cast members at Bears, people in WDI, People started coming out of the woodwork being like, oh, I'm glad you guys put this out because we, we, it was coming. And that's when it became... So I did only have one source, but it was a source that, again, had proven through a very long sure. period of time to be always correct. Um, but, like, again, so I told you before, like, with Bears, we sat, we sat on Bears for weeks. I think it might have even been a couple months deciding what we were going to do because I think the fear was... If we run too early, it gives them a chance to change the plans, but that's what we want. There was a lot of that decision of, do we try to change the story? Do we just try to give people the information? For a very long period of time to be always correct. Someone also. What am I hearing in the background? It's not us. Damn it, Nick. The objectionable part for me to all of that as and I've, I've got to say it on here because I'm gonna get called out if I don't. Is the uh, the Who We Are article, and yep. I, uh, I I kind of my website <laughs> is effectively built to audit things like that. Um, when you put out the various stories that you broke, um, I don't think that was the right move. I think doing like a heartfelt thing, which is how that article started out about the various people that work for you and praising the philanthropy that you did. Uh, nobody can take that away from you. When there's a bit of like chest pounding that contributes to who is Tom on Twitter, who is, uh, uh, who is Tim making him out to be and not just singling myself out here. Um, I can, I'm like, that, I can I think, see how it gets construed that way, but you got to remember 
the, the exact words in their article were unscrupulous sources. Like they, yeah. they, they, to me, that's saying like these guys just make stuff up. And I wanted to be clear with all these people who are saying all you do is make stuff up. Where I'm like, that's not accurate. Here's a list of things that certainly were not made up. You could have had a shorter list because I was able to poke holes in some of those. Um, but here, here's the <laughs> thing. Notably, this is not a knock on you whatsoever. Like, we can go back and forth all day on whether something was on WDW Magic forums first or whether I had it first or whatever. Like, here, the thing is, like, if I'm not looking, and we could argue all day whether I read those forums or not. I'm going to tell you, mm -hmm. I haven't read those forums since I was on them. And that was many, many years the, ago. The issue is that time is irrefutable. So if something I understand happens... That. So I understand your point. I'm not taking away your point that maybe they were there first. I'm not going to argue that. If you have a timestamp and we have a timestamp on my article, you're obviously yeah. not wrong if you went and looked. I'm not saying you are. I'm just telling you no. that when I put that article together, I am not going up and down WDW Magic to be like, did we actually have that? I'm saying things usually would get to me. After a certain amount of time, I'm going to hear for someone, oh, did you hear what they said on Magic? Those are things that, to my knowledge, when I posted them, I had not heard anyone else talk about them. Right. I had not seen them anywhere. But so we talked about that about Runaway Railway that you were you were the first to put that out there that was absolutely circulating you were the first to be confident enough in the story to put it out there but to your point that like these types of things it's like um a, a joke where uh, Joe Rogan was like the joke police. If somebody used, uh, if somebody stole somebody else's material, in some cases it's a joke like uh, uh, that Carlos Mencia got ripped off or got, was told that he ripped off. Yeah. Who's going to build the wall on the Mexican border? That's just a joke that is an easy joke to make. Yeah. Uh, and a dozen other comedians made it. In this case, you probably have similar sources, if not identical sources, to the likes of Jim Hill, to the likes of the various people over yeah. in WW Magic. Um, so I'm not I'm not disputing that. What I am calling attention to are things like uh, you you pointed your attention to the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride coming to Mission Space. Like you, you linked to that actual article that was incorrect on WWNT in that Who We Are article. Things like that. Where, yeah. All right. And we that can, was one where, we like, two days later, we then posted, like, oh, no, it turns out it's actually universal energy. <laughs> I got a quick question for <laughs> you, Tom. Like, certainly sometimes you hear rumors and sometimes they're not completely accurate. And I think my sources, I think my sources in 2014 um, were different from my sources in 2016 through 2020. That's the nature of just what you're doing what what do you just out of curiosity do you have any sense of what compels an insider with the disney company to actually be a source because you have to figure some of these people have very you know jobs that a lot of people would aspire to have and they're ostensibly risking them to leak i mean is yeah. it is it a sense of wanting to change what the company's decision is is it just ego or some combination I'm just curious what you things. think i think okay. um i think people are passionate and they get excited about seeing how people react to what they're working on um, I mm -hmm. think number two is, mm -hmm. I think there's there's a thrill. There's a thrill to, like, causing an uproar and, you know, <laughs> mass hysteria. In this. I will tell you honestly, like, I, I lament, I miss the days of announcing attractions. And, you know, and I plan it for weeks and I double check with sources and I know, like, all right, tomorrow at 9 a.m. I'm dropping that new ride. 
and there's an excitement. You watch, like I just sit there and I watch Twitter and Facebook and you watch people react and it's, it's absolutely fun and it's absolutely thrilling. And I'm sure it's the same way for the, for the source. I would not, I couldn't imagine it isn't. Um, and then the third thing I think is there's, there's things like bears where people in the company are passionate like we are, but they become concerned and there's very little they can do otherwise. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. was, whether it was someone in WDI with Country Bears or whether it was sometimes just people in operations who got worried about, like, uh, the parking fees at the resorts or those other things were like, you should really get this out early and see what happens kind of thing. That happens all to over. Your knowledge, I mean, to your knowledge, has any source that you have ever suffered any repercussions for, for being a leaker? Can't if you're willing to answer that, and if not, I, I, I'm trying to read your you face through the webcam there. I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay. I can answer it because I've, I've had a situation similar. Um, and I think Josh and Ben might know the details of this. Uh, and I also recognize that I probably have a larger audience than we're used to. So I'm going to choose my words quite carefully. Um, I, I had information from somebody not necessarily <laughs> directly in Disney, but in the supply chain of building attractions. Um, had the information and it was spot on and I passed it along to the wrong person. And then, uh, Tom, you mentioned not wanting to put blueprints out there. That's exactly what this person did. Blueprints leaked. I decided that I'm not going to risk this person's job because I want to get information on a story. It was a fantastic source, but it's not worth anybody losing their job for us getting uh, clicks on a website. It's just not. And that's you not know, the one thing that's that not re- ever the intention, though. I think that the thing is, um, like I've always, like I never have, I never solicited anybody. I've never asked for anything. People would send stuff, and I'd be like, "Is this to share, or is this for me to enjoy?" And they'd be like, "Was for you to share?" Yeah. And I'd be like, "You sure? I'm sure." That was always the conversation, because <laughs> I understood if people wanted to share stuff with me for fun, I appreciate that too. And there certainly were people. And they're like, yeah, just don't post it. I'd be like, oh, cool. It's cool to see. Um, and then some people were like, no, I want this shared. And then, I mean. Okay. So there's yeah, I a- mentioned Apple earlier. Oh, I, I mentioned Apple earlier because there's some interesting parallels between reporting on them and, and Disney. And one thing that that company's well known to do is to intentionally give false information to employees yeah. they have working on a project and they'll you know use different false information for a variety of people so that if it ever becomes public they actually know who the leak was do you have any sense that disney does that oh yeah they absolutely do they did it with mice chat what specifically (laughs) happened uh, with mice chat do we know which story uh, i don't know specifically but my understanding is that either tony baxter or somebody in tony baxter's office was leaking things their way and they they used a Pixar tool, and uh, that was something that John Lasseter would suggest, where you plant a bogus story yeah. through the people that you suspect. It's very, very common. See where it comes out. Uh, baseball fans yeah. Yeah. know this gets done through Peter Gammons all the time, or did back in the day. Um, just very, very common things. I think Troy Porter might have been the source there. Um, that's a little bit of a deep cut if anybody's paying attention. The, um, Is that a baseball joke? So, like, it's what? It's the same no, it's, story, but you change tiny details. You so change you enough. Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. 
or you, you, you tell exactly you tell a concept with subtle tweaks to a few different people and see which one actually gets out if you have suspicions the, that's the uh, freddy krueger dream suite at the contemporary turned out not to be the actual <laughs> plan <laughs> Exactly, exactly. One of my favorites was Incredible Steakhouse, and people said, you're just being insane. And then those Incredible Test Rooms started, and people were like, God damn it. <laughs> Part of the problem, and you're, you're facing this, is we asked if the company is tone deaf, and they kind of are. Uh, kind of, they are. And they'll throw stuff like that out there that just seems so ridiculous to us as fans. And if it's passed along to you as news or as you know information, um, we can't help but question it because of some of the stupidity of it. I mean, a Toy Story marionette show or yeah. some Country Bear Jamboree yeah. seems ridiculous, uh, especially when if they were building Toy Story Land at the same time. Yeah. But if you in have to remember who management came... is, and I think, like, I think the people in WDI and all and management, and everything, I think, have the same reaction, but like they're not in charge, so somebody's making these calls, you know. Josh, I mean, if in 1998 someone said they were going to erect a magic wand over Spaceship Earth, you probably would have dismissed that as being non-credible, <laughs> but they did it. Or a giant sorcerer's had to block the Chinese theater. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of things. Or that they're going to have a roller coaster burst out of the face of Spaceship Earth. You know? Yeah. Yep. The time coaster, whatever they call it. Time that. racers. Well, that's time racers. Yep. Yep. Time racers. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> do you think Spaceship Earth redo is part of this uh, likely hatchet job? God, I hope so. <laughs> Me too. That's one do of the scariest any... announcements that I've heard. Yep. This is kind of putting you on here, and again, you might you might bite your tongue here. Do you have any insight to the fears that <laughs> us, as well as members of the fan community, had about there being IP integration to Spaceship Earth as part of the larger scale redo? I mean, you can you can see it in just the stuff they've previewed. It's it's light, but it's there. So if you go in Epcot Experience, um, there's mm -hmm. the the lanterns at like, which is basically right yep. out of Tangled. So there's the lanterns. If you tie that together with what we saw at Expo, which is the manta ray that looks like Moana's yeah. grandmother, um, I mean, if you put that together, it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna tell this this history of storytelling. But at the same time, there's gonna be like these weird nods to Disney IP moments, you know? Yeah, which is, sounds like what Harmonious is going to be as well. But I think Harmonious is just like happily ever after on the water, basically. It's basically yeah. happily ever after if occasionally you change the language the songs are sung in. <laughs> okay. They just need to redo the descent on Spaceship Earth and never touch that thing again. Yeah. Leave that thing alone. It's the one vestige of my childhood that's not been plundered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board with changing the score. I'm on board with changing the narrator. Uh, Narration can go away. I'm not on Bring board Jeremy with re back. restaging every scene. Like, I don't like what they showed for the Egypt scene, which is like, okay, well, the Pharaoh's going to go away. We're just going to, we're going to put the woman in power and we're going to make, we're going to redress the Pharaoh and he's going to sit over here and like be carving into this pole. <laughs> we're going to have the like woman chasing the Pharaoh. So now yes. it's like, well, yeah. oh, it's female empowerment. So we got to redo this whole scene. And, you know, she's going to be the power figure. And, you know, so we, why do you got to restage these scenes? They're, they're fine. It's you PC know? run amok. Tom, when was your first trip to any of the Disney parks? 
Uh, I was four months old, uh, December okay. of 88. Okay, so Disney World, I assume? Yeah, I didn't go to Disneyland until 2009. It was way, way, way later. So as a kid, uh, you know, in the 90s then, what was your favorite park? Epcot. Okay. Good man. And you probably had Epcot. to do was ride Figment and Spaceship Earth. Yeah. So I guess well, up 90s. until maybe you were 11, it was Epcot Center, effectively. It was Epcot Center until, uh, what, 90... 99, 93. right? 93, right? Epcot 93. Okay, well, yeah, they changed like, Epcot 94. It still had vestiges of Epcot Center before, like, World of Motion was taken away and Horizons yeah. went seasonal and those sorts of things. They might have changed the name to Epcot 94, but it was basically the same park with a different logo. Yeah. All right, good talk. I'll see you out there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Controversially, I don't, dislike, I don't dislike 90s Epcot. I think the 90s Epcot is no, very good. Yeah, I think, I think they saw early to mid 90s Epcot was the peak. Execute. Yeah, I mean, the wand was the harbinger of trouble. <laughs> I think they recognized that Epcot GM while y'all were in Epcot. With its three reds. Uh, <laughs> yep. I think they recognized that Epcot needed to evolve and it didn't, didn't effectively evolve. And that was a problem, and that's why it's construction wall city now. They did, they did piecemeal changes, band-aid solutions, and they yeah. didn't properly evolve the park as it needed to. Yeah, there was a couple of hits, but and like all of our podcasts, this degenerates into uh, Epcot Center was better than current day Epcot. And that, that seems well, to be I, a par for the course for. I mean, podcast. I think Epcot Center was home to what I consider to, be, and I think you can almost. As close to objectively state as you can, Horizons was probably the best themed attraction that's ever been built anywhere in the world. I mean, it was r certainly in its time. It was unprecedented. It was impactful. It was it tied the entire park together. It was a, a perfect thesis statement. And, you know, the degree to which it tied that park together was evident by what happened once it went away. You know, for as... I, I've said this before. One of the things that I think made Disney successful in their parks endeavors in the beginning was that they had a lot of confidence in their visitors. And we can joke all we want about visitors being stupid. And certainly there's no shortage of, of people who would, you know, satisfy that thesis. But people are also smarter than we give them credit for. And yeah. there's a lot of rewritability and depth that, that, you know, when you are willing to trust that people are willing to pick up on things that are subtle, you can do a lot of things creatively that you can't do if you're just trying to make a quick buck by, you know, doing a book report attraction off the latest flick. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, we have a lot of that today, which is just, yeah, it's going to appeal to people that are, you know, really, really hot on the current thing, but what's it going to be in 10 years? That's, that's always been my fear. It's what drove me to get involved in these podcasts is to hopefully be a voice that says, look, Disney, you know, trust the quality of the depth of the stories that you have and, and appeal to people. What makes a good attraction is yeah. the same thing that makes a good movie, which is that you, you touch people in a way that, that makes them feel good. Um, you know, IP can be a ride. It can be a movie. It's just, it's a good idea that is executed in a way that connects with, with people. Yeah. You um, can, I, I mean, wish you that, can have a great IP ride as well as you can have a great, you know, original idea. I, I think quality honey, like, to win out, that's honey hunt is spectacular. And I, I, you know, it doesn't bother me. I mean, pirates it's done well. 
you know, pirates, you, you know, a, 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 a good attraction can lead to a film just as well as a film can lead to an attraction. We have, yeah. you know, how did, well, how to mention might not be a, pretty sure that wasn't the great <laughs> greatest film, but certainly, uh, you know, pirates was an incredibly compelling attraction. And then it was an, you know, enormously successful film series. Um, and then became an attraction you know, based want, on that film series in Shanghai, which is a piece. What, of what I really want to see is management that, that, I want to see management creative enough to let them to let them build attractions. You know, give the give, uh, give the attraction people the same kind of budgets that you're willing to give the film people, and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I think we could see a new renaissance in in themed entertainment. They're certainly capable. Uh, you know, look what WDI does when when Oriental Land Company throws the money at them. They can still do anything. Yep. I am, uh, whenever it does open with all the delays now, going to be fascinated by what ultimately comes of the Guardians attraction simply because that budget is ridiculous. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it. I've, I've heard numbers upwards of 400 it, plus. It was, it was supposed to be $1 billion. <laughs> that seems insane. The, well, the then numbers they cut that I saw. everything in, physical out of it. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we did some, we did some math and like, what, what is a you know the the most expensive Including roller coaster just for the track itself That's is what forty million dollars and you're spending four hundred fifty million dollars on there? I mean, there is quite a bit of stuff that has to go in there. And don't get me wrong, Imagineering can spend money as inefficiently as any entity in the world, yeah. but. Uh, $450 million is a ridiculous amount of money. Well, they found out, attraction. number one, that it cost them more to keep the old building than if they had knocked it down. <laughs> Even then, I can't imagine that's, you know, well, <laughs> again, who knows how they spend their money, but putting $450 million into a roller coaster when the track itself can't cost much more than 35 to $40 million is yeah. insane. Well, buildings are expensive. There's a reason... You know, there's no indoor coasters bucks. at Six Flags, right? I mean, it's because the yeah. building is the expensive part. Plus the exterior theming, you know, that, that, oh, that just yeah. doesn't grow on a... That's, Someone's that paint is very expensive. newscast. <laughs> you know what? I'll, uh, I'll give him some credit. He, he'll properly source things. Uh, he'll, he'll at least do that and has decent production value. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give him some credit there. I like when he copies and pastes my whole article and doesn't change the wording. So all my, all my fancy writing <laughs> remains on his show. It's my favorite. There, he's giving you credit. <laughs> what more do you want? He doesn't give me credit. Shit. I don't get credit. And anytime he I point okay. it out, it's no. And I'm like, this, but this is the article. This is my sentence. Well, the times that I've referenced your articles on my site, I have always linked back to them. Yeah, no. I, you're, For whatever you're, that's worth. It's very kind. Even though we have our differences, I appreciate that you're still willing to source. Yes. I'm licensed to practice law in Florida, people? so if you want to sue anybody, just let me know. I've got time. Oh, I think, uh, I think I've been talked out of suing anybody. I just want to... What about Tim? <laughs> I want to know what Nick's been up to the last two hours. Uh, Nick, are you still with us? <laughs> Hop on Mike. Well, Nick's just running stuff. We do have, there. There he is. <laughs> we do have a quote from somebody in chat. Hey, guys. Uh, there he is. Nick. I am uh, hey, playing Animal Crossing and drinking bourbon. So. <laughs> it my, sounds like you're drinking bourbon. 
I think, uh, right. Tom, you need to invest in a better microphone for Nick. Um, well, he's at home. I mean, all the, the reason I'm here is all the expensive crap is, is here, so, you know. <laughs> we have a uh, request from chat. Uh, John CF said, I started watching because I listened to Marty called, but I stayed watching because of Ben's porn stash, waiting for the pizza delivery man to knock on his door. Ben, can you go get the door, please? Well, Ben is actually recording from his van. My wife being tonight, I told her I'd... Oh, you guys have a guy that has a van I told her I'd shave after... We uh, joked that Nick has a van. With that mustache, he needs to have a van. Free candy. Does it say free candy, free kittens? What are we advertising here? Candy. Candy, okay. Ben, what do you go with? Candy or kittens? This time delay is great Uh, for the the kittens, because I know... (laughs) I just like riding. I, I go with cats just for Josh. Okay. As we're uh, as I'm looking at the clock, I don't know how long these things run, Tom. Are we just talking until you're done, or what? They run as long as we want them to run. Perfect. So Why you guys want to start taking some questions from the chat or something? <laughs> Whatever. I'll put Ben's yeah. phone number sure. out there. We can have people just calling Ben. Hey. <laughs> Did they accidentally put his phone number on the Walt Disney World website to call to fix your annual pass problem? <laughs> oh. uh, actually, that was a question that I had for you. It's, that's a, that's a, a good segue. Uh, again, I do this as a hobby. You do this as a profession. And I get my fair share of people thinking that I'm Disney. How often do you get those emails? Do you get yeah. those tweets where they're yelling at you for a problem? And what are some of the better ones that you've received? Why do you think the WDW Today Twitter account no longer exists? I'm sure that's part of it, yeah. Well, that, we you know, existed first, so I don't, I don't think they had... Uh, th- there wasn't a good reason to come after us about it, even though they were similar. Um, I think just because we existed several years before that account. And so I think eventually they just gave up, but... Um, we would get a ton of cast compliments. We would always get those. Like every day we get like five or six of those hashtag <laughs> cast compliments. Um, but otherwise we get yelled at like, oh, I haven't got my money back for my trip I canceled. And always stuff like that. And I'd be like, we're, we're not Disney. This is an unofficial fan site. And then people, people never it. respond. They're never like, oh, I'm sorry or anything. It's just you leave that and then they go away. <laughs> I had an Indian company wanting to speak with Bob Chapek about an investment in an India theme park. Oh. So I responded. I, I engaged back and forth on that one for a little bit so we can <laughs> move this. Oh. Uh, <laughs> actually the, got a the, the $50 million. <laughs> no, never yeah, a so my corporation, bank never now. like an entity, always just like <laughs> I mean, people with vacation it, problems. It, it, it yeah. very well could have been somebody that was just a fisher, but it wasn't. Yeah. It, it read like somebody representing an India company looking to invest money into a uh, Disney theme park in India. So uh, that's our well, spoiler alert. Expect- three princes, Tim has learned his lesson. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm out ten grand, but aside from that, <laughs> what's the holdup getting the woo back in Universal Florida? Uh we're working on that. <laughs> I didn't know he wasn't allowed there. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can comment on this or not. That's fine. Don't. Let's just say <laughs> if probably he, not. I've abstained. Oh, he he abused <laughs> attorney-client privilege by saying that he was a client. Well, he, Tom, he has you specifically give up a source, I, and Josh will say. <laughs> Adam has specifically told me that I could comment on this. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, 
Adam is what I consider to be an extraordinarily low threat person. He's about the nicest guy you could ever want to meet. He's extraordinarily respectful. Uh, and I think the odds of him ever, you know, violating the terms of admission to any theme park are about zero. So I have absolutely no problem going to bat for him uh, and will continue to do so. He's a he's salt of the earth. Great guy. I haven't like officially met him, but I have. Um, the the Hollywood Studios anniversary last year, I brought out, I have like the silver MGM jacket and I had it out and he like came up, I was like, oh, that jacket's really cool. And he like filmed a bit. So I'm on like that episode of his show, <laughs> but we never like introduced <laughs> ourselves to each other. It's weird, but yeah. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. I I will say this. I mean, and, and I you know, since I have a forum with a big audience, I'll say this. I, I understand there's a lot of gravitas to being a YouTuber, and there's a lot of people that are doing backstage exploring and stuff. You know, as a person who has represented a bunch of people that have gotten caught up in this, if you are on the fence about doing that, just don't. Yeah. Um, just behave yourself because, especially now. It is the odds of getting back in. I think are extraordinarily low. Yeah. Universal, in particular, seems to have very little interest in even, you know, hearing the story. Yeah. Um, you know, just behave yourself. All the videos out there, we've all seen backstage. You can. There's a billion videos of the Utilidors online. You know, if you were one of the pioneers back in the day who did it, I'm grateful because that's part of what drew me into the community. I've always been fascinated with that stuff. I've never worked for the company, so I'm glad that stuff exists. But there's absolutely zero point zero reason to risk your future to go in there for the rest of your life to get this now because it's it, it's it's information we already have just just don't do it behave yourself yeah end of yeah. spiel uh next question was i'm a college student any trips to uh, any tips to moving to orlando uh josh you can speak don't. intelligently about sausage castle don't. <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> No, you can't. I'm, I'm, I was born and raised Florida, and I spent 35 oh, years okay. in Florida. I moved to I moved to Indiana. Uh, the people here are nicer, but Florida. Look, Florida is a, is a great place. Central Florida has all the things in the world to do. You know, as far as tips to do it, yeah, just do it. That's my tip. Live the life you want to live. You want to move to Orlando, move to Orlando. If you yeah. if you're waiting for a time where it's going to be super easy and like a chest of money falls in your lap, that's never going to happen. Just go do what you want to do. Done. Tom, are you hiring? Not Just right now. Care. There you go. <laughs> Six months from Are you hiring? <laughs> when the school when the school season starts in uh, September, in theory. Depends on how much bourbon Nick drinks. There might be an opening tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we had a question here for myself. This is self serving. What went through your head when Iger took offense to your Everest article tweet? Um, oh yeah. I laughed. Uh, that was uh, you, you talk feather in the cap. I thought it was funny, um, but it's it's frustrating because I think there was legit unknown about what the theme of certain attractions that are under his under his watch are, yeah. and I, I that that in itself is more frustrating than anything um, because I think there is a legit uh, disconnect or there was an, a legit disconnect between Iger and the parks. So that's really yeah. where that frustration came down. Any questions and, for Ben's uh, mustache? Up. Yeah, any, Ben, Ben's mustache, any questions? <laughs> Nothing? Okay. I wouldn't have been able to... Uh, no, that's good. The stash. I was there pre-mustache. <laughs> Anybody get any of that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that's an unemployed mustache right there. That, I'm bad. Sorry. Not, that is. Don't walk into a job interview with that mustache. 
unless it's one industry in particular. People are saying you should do a vidcast now. That sounds like a lot of work for Tim. (laughs) (laughs) We we frown on that type of thing. Again, there is a big difference between uh, Tom doing this as a profession and us doing this as a hobby. Um, I mean, and also we're idiots. Fairly true. The uh, the tech savvy <laughs> side of things is Josh, and uh, the willingness of Josh to help on the tech side of things is, is relatively low. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, uh, we we started as a hobby. You know, we did this didn't make profit for the first eight years, and then it suddenly started, and that's when we were able to do things. You know. So what was actually that's a that's another good question, and you've probably answered this before. Um, but what gave you the confidence to make the leap from effectively quitting your day job to doing this full time to uh, saying that you could do this and survive doing this? There was just was enough money, sheet? and I felt like if I had my full time to spend on the website and was making more content, then there should be more money. So if there was what I okay. felt was a safe amount of money, for me to jump to full time. Um, and I felt like, well, you can only go up from here. Like I can't see that, I can't understand why there would be a significant downtick if I'm working more on the website, if I have more time to do more content. It just would, it didn't make sense. The time was just right. This is something that Ben can probably weigh in on. Um, did you speak with anybody like Ricky to see somebody that had done this uh, as their occupation and the fatigue, the perhaps like you get jaded by the parks, any of those concerns that they creep in? I didn't have to talk to Ricky. When Ricky would come into Theme Park Connection, you could see it on Ricky's face. You could see <laughs> that he was done. He didn't want to deal with yeah. it anymore. But he looked like the thing with Ricky was when he moved on, he looked like he was very happy with what he was moving on to. Um, but that's just how I read him, like coming in from like when he would come in around the time he was getting out of it, and then uh, after he was out of it, he seemed very happy. I understand that, like it it does get taxing, and I mean the I feel like I've aged ten years in the last you know year, so I get it. Um, and there Fair are enough. days where I'd like to walk away from it, but I think um, I think we have a responsibility. I think every other big site is on the media list and I think there needs to be somebody who's willing to just be honest speaking of being honest do you have any uh, do you have any salacious uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is why you guys should not do a video cast by the way we do this when there's no video (laughs) what I was going to ask is do you have any salacious uh, theme park connection stories you'd be willing to share salacious that always seemed like a that just seemed like a bizarre stories. I don't know which ones I can tell or not. I have no. What is idea. the most obviously stolen item that you saw walk in there? <laughs> that you know what about? Be honest. <laughs> I will be completely honest with you. We f- did all the paperwork like any pawn shop, and like sometimes Disney security came in and they looked at stuff, and sometimes they took stuff. But we had the paperwork and everything, and we'd always work with them. Um, I will say the company's just bad at reclaiming its property. Like there was, I forget, I remember there's a certain number of days at which you own your cast costume if they don't ask you back for it. There is just a, there's a time limit on that cast costume and eventually that person just owns it. And so like they knew, and sometimes people came in early and we'd be like, 
hey, you no, know, you've only been gone for however many days. We, we're not interested. It, it's that's not your property. Um, so we try. That's to help interesting too. But um, no, like honestly. So last question. How much honestly, did you like, get Honestly, might have been, but but the problem <laughs> I think is so many of those people got stuff just because they were told to take stuff. So there's so many people in Imagineering you talk to where it was just like. Um, oh, we were working on the mansion refurb, and I came one day, and they were throwing out all the handrails from the from the staircase scene because they ripped it apart the night before. They're sitting in the dumpster, so I took one home. You know, were they supposed to take one home? <laughs> Probably not. Did anyone care that they did? No. You know that kind of thing. It's interesting. I, you know, I just so look. I'll admit. Everybody at once. <laughs> Josh, I'll give you a chance to answer your question because it's a good one. But uh, quick admit- question because you hinted at it. What is, uh, do you guys have to operate <laughs> as a pawn shop rules, like where you have to yeah. hold things for 30 days? We did all okay. that same paperwork, yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Josh, go. I, I, it's always, fa- it's interesting to hear from someone on the inside of that because I've never understood how it all worked and just survived as long as it did. So it's, it's interesting to me. It's you answered a question that I've, I've asked a billion times that it didn't survive longer. I think it was a, I loved my job. That's what I, I, I think I like that more than even what I do now, because that's, I've always had a passion for the stuff. Um, so namely, like I love merchandise to begin with, but then also to just have some of the coolest stuff came through that door um i i handled we we put a most of a hydrolator back together we had the indiana jones adventure model the whole thing was sitting in the back one day um i used to eat my breakfast in the monsters Inc. cab well that we had that for a couple months i was just sitting there at my coffee uh in the morning and uh i had a star jet dropped on my head at one point three people were carrying a star jet and they just one guy like let go and it bonked me on the head. Um, yeah, it was cool to be around that stuff. And then cool. like the Switzerland proposal book and that Disney Mountain proposal thing and that when that stuff would come in, it's there's just so much cool stuff out there and you never knew what someone had and what they were gonna bring in that day. It was it was I mean so, I like being my own boss, but there was something cool about that that environment. Get, getting back to the cool. costume point that you made, the uh, security shirt that I wore during the media night party of the ro- opening of Rock and Roller Coaster that may or may not be in the closet that I had uh, like two feet from me right now, it's legally mine now. Am I good with that? If it might still be in my position? It is. I wouldn't wear it to a park. That's that's the thing I'd say. Like You're fine to own them, <laughs> but don't wear them to a park. They get real pissy about that. I can't fit in that thing 20 years later, so don't worry. I, I won't be wearing <laughs> well, I've got it a bunch of missized cast stuff that, I'm, that I've purchased over the years. They just didn't have my size in. I just bought just to have it, I, so I get it. I have a pair of the red Chuck Taylor Converse that we used to wear at Muppet Vision. I, did, uh, I forgot to turn those in one night, so th- those are still in the collection. Yeah, those are yours. Are they sitting behind you? <laughs> uh, no, they're up in the attic. The... Uh, Few things are near me. I was going to say it does look like there's red Converse right there. <laughs> no, those are some Georgia. Those are New Balance. No. <laughs> He's got his display of Skechers behind him. Uh, Josh, you had another question that, got, that we talked over about one missing animatronic. Uh, 
Oh, I was just asking uh, what you got for Buzzy. <laughs> just to make a horrible joke. Oh, Buzzy! I I did see a I did see a po- uh, a tweet go by. I, I never really followed up on it, but someone alleging to be from Disney Security said that they had found it. Was that? Did you guys see that, or did I did I dream that? I saw the tweet. This I don't was know about three days ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. What a story so, that is. Uh, I'm going to be the one interactions. Have you had any reactions with that individual as far as interviewing him or anything? Uh, the alleged uh, absconder of Buzzy and his attire? Well, I think the attire and the animatronic has been established are two completely separate things. He, he never had the animatronic. The, the clothes vanished before the animatronic, right? Isn't that the story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Gary Hall and I interviewed him. He basically confessed to us that he was involved in that before the news story even broke and then it happened so we we sort of that was the closest thing to a breaking story i've ever had um but that's been fascinating to watch i mean you know is again is i'm into the stuff like you are but you know it's i don't condone that and i that was a thing that That was one story where we had it but i didn't want to run it because i didn't want to be involved yeah people in the company knew there were plenty of people in the company who had heard like that it wasn't there and that people were looking for it. And I was like, I'm not touching this with a 45 foot pole. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I will wait until the news <laughs> says it or whatever, but I don't, I don't want any involvement in this. Cause like I said, like, I think I, I always thought the ride rumors and stuff felt innocent to me. I think when you get into like theft and st- that's a whole, that's a whole different realm. I don't want to, be involved in yeah yeah and as soon as you put it out well, there you get questions at your door yeah no it's it's like have you heard this and i'm like no i hadn't but god i'm not posting it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was a fascinating story though i mean i hope it deters other people from doing that stuff because although i i do say that i'm pretty disappointed with how disney handles those relics i'd love to see them preserved and yeah. have, have some care shown for them but that doesn't you know I, I, as i watched that story unfold and watched you know this people this person and others interacting on twitter a lot of them said well you know he's doing the world a service because disney's not preserving them like i gotta draw the line there that's that is not correct you know just because they're not treating the stuff great doesn't mean someone should go in there and steal it yeah and it, i don't it know just, it, it is a shame the way they treat stuff but no it doesn't mean it belongs to someone else <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not how that works. I'm gonna you, do, you didn't uh, wax your car recently, so it's fine now. I'm going to do the bad journalism thing and blame somebody else for the question. Uh, there are questions in the chat going back to theme park connection about the uh, uh, resin copies that uh, was, <laughs> w- was was put out there. Care, care to elaborate? Nope. <laughs> okay. Not my company. That's kind of what I suspected. No, I'm not involved. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> don't know or biting your lip. It's not my. It wasn't my company. I worked there. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Any other questions from the chat? That was a good one, though. That brings back some memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hypothetical I memories, right? I mentioned that. Uh, it wasn't my company. My, uh, my theory with theme park connection and then the, the, the in total that whole thing is um, 
If you go on eBay, there's a lot of like nonsense people saying things are props that aren't. And I think it's your job before you spend a tremendous amount of money on something to find out if you think like that thing. When I shop on eBay, like today, and I, mm -hmm. I buy a lot of, I buy a lot of Disney stuff on eBay. Um, I always do a fair amount of research before I buy something on the more expensive side. I, I look at the pictures, I blow up the pictures on my computer and I really look at them. Um, and then I really just try to, I talk to some people, some other collectors and stuff and really try to figure out like, is this legit? Is this a good price? Is I wouldn't jump, you shouldn't jump into stuff like that just when you see it. I, I think in any sort of collecting, if you think you're getting into props and stuff, and it goes for movie props too, because it's way worse in the movie prop business, how much either it's fake or it never was even screen used, but people will say it's screen used. Um, <laughs> You gotta. If you're gonna get into yeah. collecting stuff like that, you need to know stuff. You shouldn't just get into it blindly. You shouldn't Robin Lopez it. <laughs> I mean, Ben and I look at this for sports That's memorabilia fantastic. as well. That like, if you want a game used uh, jersey or anything like that, you want to find a photo of a person wearing that jersey, wearing yeah. something where there's like an imperfection in it that you can detect in that photo to prove it. Um, unless you get it certified by the league itself. Uh, but There's a stain point, on is... this shirt I'm wearing right now. So if you try to buy this on eBay as an official new worn shirt, shirt, and there's not a <laughs> and there's not an armpit stain in it, it is that is not a legit item. Um, PSA. I debated like having all of us, uh, you know, dress up as Tom Corliss, but I don't own any checkered shirts. So like, <laughs> <laughs> the I could go, I could put a backpack on because that is kind of your parks wardrobe, but yeah. Um, you mentioned we were talking merchandise. What's your what's your favorite piece of merchandise? Oh my you, god! Um, I know it's a loaded question, uh, but Recently, it's probably something. Uh, it's unique. sitting in a display case. In the office, we have like some big display cases. But when we used to have mm -hmm. people used to come in and watch the show, you know, when when you were allowed to go places. Uh, <laughs> Those are the days. Tower of Terror Bank from Tokyo, where you put money in it. The elevator actually drops and makes noise, and Shriku Tundu like lights up and stuff. I really love oh, cool. that. That brings me a lot of joy. Did you find in Tokyo that the merchandise that was available when you visited was a lot worse than the merchandise available online? It depends when you go. Okay, because I was looking for like specific stuff like that, like a Shriku Tundu so thing or a Shandu thing. Stuff rotates in usually. It's when the attraction opens, but then it, like, mm -hmm. after a certain amount of time, goes away. So, like, okay. they kept, like, a base amount of Tower of Terror stuff. So there's sometimes it, it, it ebbs and flows, too. Like, I think my first trip, there was the extent of Tower of Terror merchandise was the Shriku Tundu keychain and, like, the Tomika trolley that said Tower of Terror on it or the electric railway car. Um, and then more recently now they have the plush badge. And there's also like a paper model and there's a replica of the garbage can and stuff. So it ebbs and flows. Some stuff always has a merchandise line. But then like Country Bears, my first trip is when they had the full Country Bear plush line. And they even had the big ones. Mm -hmm. But now as of my last trip, those were rotating out. So they're about to get rid of all their Country Bear stuff. So it just depends when you go. But they don't keep stuff for as long as the U.S. parks do. It, it just doesn't. They rotate through stuff. Those people buy way more merchandise than we do. They love stuff. 
it just seemed it was, I mean, obviously different culture, but it was very much in the cutesy vibe that is very popular there. And if you wanted yeah. a Disney product, it was going to be emblazoned with Disney and not the type of stuff that I gravitate towards, which, I mean, it's I'd gravitate towards something that, like, if you know what it is, you know, it'll yeah. be like an, an Epcot logo on a shirt. Yeah. You know what it is and you can have a conversation with me, but that's I don't not want, what they you know, do Mickey Mouse bedazzled. Yeah, that's no, not their clothing not. thing. It's just not the style in Japan for the clothes. But, yeah. like, for the other stuff, like, their seasonal events, obviously it gets cutesy and character-driven. But then you gotta, you just got to go during the right stuff. So, like, if you go... Uh, I went for the opening of Soren. There was a line mm -hmm. of Soren merchandise, which is specific to the ride. And there was even, like, a little model of the of the Dream Flyer vehicle and stuff. Um. So you gotta you gotta time it. Like you gotta go when there's something meaningful to you. Like uh, the Tokyo Disney Sea 18th anniversary stuff was all themed to sea uh, and the Magellan's restaurant and like the Fortress Exploration. So during that time, you could get a full uh, uh, full setting for your kitchen of Magellan's like sea emblem plates and hmm. knives and forks and all of that stuff and but then like if you went a couple weeks later you didn't get you could probably couldn't find anything specific to an attraction or a land or any of those things i think ben and josh just started watching movies as we uh, started talking <laughs> merchandise so <laughs> we've definitely lost josh into the uh, attention span here um last merchandise question from me and again yeah, i'm guessing you probably won't answer this what's the most expensive uh or m most you spent on a uh, merchandise item I could, Seeing I as would, you said you're getting into some of the higher end stuff. I would probably answer that. I bought some stuff in the last Van Eaton auction. Buzzy. Okay. Um, I bought the Alien <laughs> Encounter maquettes. They're sitting here in the office, too. Um, I okay, bought the Alien cool. Encounter maquettes. They're of uh, some facade work um, for the what was supposed to be the Disneyland Alien Encounter. And so it came with the... I have the big board, which is the concept art for the... Disneyland building, and then there's maquettes of this eagle thing that would have been on the outside of the building. I think I paid, God, I don't remember what it was. It was a couple grand. Um, okay. But I thought it was a cool thing to have on display. My, we're, we're trying something weird here where, the, so when people come, there's like a little museum, and I kind of want to see what the response is to that because I have a lot of stuff, and I don't know if some point in time, if we move to a bigger space or the opportunity presents itself that I wouldn't want to do uh, some sort of museum thing. So people called me out as being boring um, as an accountant. So like boring for an accountant is just super boring. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, did you write that off as a business expense? Are you depreciating those as it's a, like that's a business as assets expense? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's on display in the office. People come and see it. It's gonna. It's eventually gonna be content. Like once. So the idea is to rotate the displays in the office. So whenever like the day comes when uh, it's been like a year or so that it's been here, and we're gonna rotate it out, I'll do like an article about it. I'll do a video about it. Um, it's content. Are there any accounting questions from the uh, from the chat room? <laughs> Lawyer questions. Really Anybody uh, in legal trouble right now? Anybody need a sports meme created for them from Ben? I actually have to call it. I've been holding a restroom break for about the last 25 minutes. So <laughs> if we want to end, have we can end. I'm, I'm good with ending if you guys are. I've ignored my three-month-old daughter for two and a half hours, so I should probably leave. <laughs>
Well, this was fun. I'm I'm glad we did it. I th- I think this was uh, really nice. Uh, far I think more, it was I, I far more positive than I people probably wanted fun. it to be. I got some comments to that effect. The last comment I read, I, I can't swear, but it was on board. Why are you kissing his? And then it was a part of your body that was not your mouth. So, you know, we hey, all, you've been a class act. We all thing? like the same thing, right? I mean, we're all in this together. We all don't like Bob Chapek. He's yep. an idiot, right? <laughs> we all like Horizons and Journey to Imagination. We all don't like that they got rid of the great movie ride, right? I mean... Common ground. Yeah. There's plenty of it. We Much can disagree about stuff. We don't have to all hate still... each other, right? Nope. My my third bullet no, point I, was I, I Keep walking, Tim. It was uh, it was uh, actually after How Is Your War With Disney Going? And who is actually on the show? Uh, you Ticket Report or Marty Called? Other than that, I mean, I think we... Uh... <laughs> well, I, I, can't, I don't know how many podcasts you're on. I don't know which ones are still in production. I don't... Just, just one now. Just one now. Okay. <laughs> we have Tim all to ourselves. There you go. Well, guys, thank you so much. Tell everybody where tell they the can, story where they can find. Stopped. Tell everybody where they can Ben's find the talk podcast. You. Uh, you can find us martycalled.com. Um, we put them out maybe once a month or so. We we do a imagineering focus show. So if there's news, we kind of take the operations and imagineering angle of that news to see our, why were these decisions made? Uh, do we agree with these decisions? Could we make better decisions? Sometimes we do armchair imagineering type episodes, but um, that's the gist of it. It's not a news show. Uh, we like to have things that are more evergreen. So, And I, I have a line of uh, merchandise you can get at coronafreedisney.com. That's not a joke. <laughs> Um, so please hit that. That's good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that I'll sell that to you for the right amount. By the way, have your people call my people. Wow. <laughs> the thing is, I had an other domain name, but it turns out I spelled Utilidors wrong, so everyone was making fun of me. So now I'm back on the right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. Where can we find you online? Where can you find me online? I think, uh, unfortunately, everyone has. <laughs> some some people. Very good talk. We'll see you out there. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Real Skipper Boone. Ben'sVan.org. I think my connection. My, com- my connection developed uh, coronavirus over uh, the, the two hours of the show, so I'm sorry I'm lagging behind a little bit here. But Twitter, <laughs> Twitter at Real Skipper Ben. There you go. Thanks, guys, so much. Nick, real quick, can we update everybody on what we got coming up uh, the next couple days before we get on out of here? I don't know if he's drunk yet. No, he's there. I hope it's e-ticket. Well, maybe at some <laughs> point. <laughs> my Thanks, my goal is that every that. podcast Tim has ever been on here uh, <laughs> so tomorrow uh, uh at 11 a.m is locked in with eric morton they're going to be doing some fun stuff i'm sure uh ride rehab watches is tomorrow night at nine i think they're watching the walt disney world 25th anniversary special uh and some other things uh on sunday we're gonna watch we're gonna do a watch along of onward which is now on disney plus uh, if you want to wait to watch it with us, you can. I don't know if that makes sense, but you may want to watch it before you join us to watch it because we're just going to talk all over it. Uh, at 8 p.m., we have a new show, Pressing Issues, which is kind of a throwback to the old podcast where we pick 
a couple of big topics, and they're going to discuss them at length with no time limits that debuts. It's going to be every Sunday, but it starts this Sunday at 8 p.m. If you don't want to watch WrestleMania with an empty arena, you can tune in for that. Uh, on Monday at 11 a.m., I'm doing an animation countdown. I'm going to rank all of the Disney animated films. It's going to take a while. Uh, 9 p.m. Monday night, Cosmic Read Live. He's taking your Disney Parks musical requests. And as well, uh, he'll be doing much more than that. And on Tuesday, it's the debut of, it just says AM. I don't know if did we missed the time, if he doesn't know a time yet. Who knows? But at some point in the morning on April 7th, uh, there's going to be the Wolf Den with Eric Wolf. So you're going to be talking about movies. And uh, they're going to be drawing and all sorts of fun stuff. And then uh, Tuesday night at 9 p.m., it's uh, Back to the Future Live, the Carousel of Progress. We're going to take you from the 1964 World's Fair all the way to today, all the way up to laser discs and car phones. Get ready for a complete historical retrospective, a multimedia presentation on the uh, history of... Uh, One of our early shows has a 1980s scene of Carousel of Progress. What was that? One of our early shows has a 1980s scene, the Carousel of Progress, that we recorded with uh, with various members of the fan community playing the different roles. Oh God! Did you mimic that? Because there is an 80s version, right? There was an yeah. This is something that we, <laughs> that we wrote, and oh, no, wrote this one. isn't the 80s scene. It was like we wrote a scene for today that would have been like inserted as a 1980s scene, okay. basically. Yeah. See, anyway, Tuesday nine. We're going to be here for several hours talking about Carousel of Progress. Again, guys, uh, from Marty Call, thank you so much, uh, Tim, Ben, and Josh. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right, everybody, we'll see you. Uh, don't yeah, don't miss Locked time. In with Eric Morton tomorrow at 11. We'll see you then.